This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. This week on the Mandatory Samson Podcast, we have a really good show lined up. We've got a bunch of quick hits at the top. We're talking about the Uber driving lawyer. We're talking about Trump care. And I'm also going to defend fellow human being Kellyanne Conway. Intrigued? You should be. Stick around. This is the mandatory Samson podcast coming to you from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. Wow, I am pumped up. We were just listening to Jimi Hendrix all along the Watchtower. You can't hear that because we don't have the rights to it. Immaterial. Hello, everyone. My name is Christopher Patrick Flannery. I'm joined by Joseph Anthony Noe. Matt, whose middle name I don't know, Weiss. Fantastic <laughs> beginning. Thank you. What is your middle name? It's my mother's last name. Matthew. So. Daigle. Daigle Weiss. Are you sure it's not Daig? I'm pretty pretty sure I know. Yeah, it's your middle name. You you tell yeah. me. Uh, welcome to the program, everyone. We got a nice one lined up here. Quick hits on WikiLeaks, war, and private detention centers. Then we're talking Rachel Maddow and Trump's tax returns. Did you two cuties see that? Yes, I did. You watched the Rachel Maddow program? I did not, but or I, program, as I'm going to start saying it. I, I mean, that's a little bit close to program. program. Yeah, this thing called the Daily Beast. Yeah. So. So okay, I'll, all right, so you're, you're aware. Yeah. Matt, you said you heard of it, but you didn't I know of it. I, I was doing a pub, pub trivia at the time that it came out. And all right. You get, listen, we all have our priorities. I happened to be on, I was on my way home. I was like, perfect, I'm having that on at 9 o'clock. I liked it, and we're going to talk about it because there's a lot of negative you know, critique of Rachel Maddow. We'll get into the whole thing. We also have a Trump Care update, a viral video segment this week, Ooh. including an Uber-driving lawyer... And a dick takes a selfie with Kellyanne Conway. Do dicks have opposable thumbs now? Oh, Matt. Finally, we got a Trump odds and ends. We're going to close the program with that. Sounds good, right? Sounds incredible. Yeah, it does sound incredible. I think we got a nice show lined up. Oh, also, uh, by the way, we've got yeah. a new sponsor. Nice. We're going to talk about that in a little bit in the program. That's called a tease in the business. Uh, plus, we got a quick email, and I'm going to give a shout out to Aaron. He, he sent this email, and uh, we're going to read it right now. Would you guys like to do that before we get into the program? Yes, I do. Let's do it. Program. This is from Aaron. He says, Man, Sam, this is Aaron sending you a big hello from Houston, Texas. I'm a big fan that found you, uh, found your podcast through the J Train podcast. I always thought of myself as a more center of right person who always admired true classic conservative ideology and still am in many ways, but recognize that the conservatism has certainly and obviously been hijacked by crazy people. Okay. Uh, but always thought that um, discussion with people whose thoughts differ from your own was important, not just to learn about what they think, but also to potentially broaden one's own perspective. Anyway, listening to your podcast has shifted a lot of my political ideas towards the left to the point where I don't think I describe myself as right of center anymore. That's mm. great. I love hearing that. I really appreciate it. That's awesome. Very cool. However, I'm still not a leftist, liberal, fair trade, safe space, PC, pussy fuck. Wow. He says, that was a joke. I may be drunk in Tennessee. Hope any of that made sense. <laughs> uh, it did make sense. I really appreciate it. He also sent me a link 
to an article which I told him in the email. I have not had a chance to read it yet. It's something I'm going to get. You know, I it, will it get was a actually to read quite it. fascinating. I oh, did, did you read it? I did read some of it. Matt read some of it also. Why don't you guys tell me what the article is about a little bit then? Uh, well, the, he says it's about fascism, American mm-hmm. modern democracies. There's some key sentences, paragraphs that I think would be worthwhile to mention on the show. Uh, specifically, speaking on the pr- uh, promises on fascism, they will feel better and on top and in charge simply by virtue of the discrimination against the groups they despise, which they see as a re- uh, restoration of justice and the natural order, even without any improvement in their own situation. Big fan of the show. Keep up the good work. Hello, Joey and Matt. Aaron, what a... Wow, that Great was a email. nice email. We love Thank it. Thank you. Uh, the the uh, website was very interesting, and one of the topics about it, they went into George Orwell and his... Uh, writings on fascism and democracy and other things like that. Right. It's quite interesting. And he was trying to explain that it's kind of like Newspeak, where the words don't exactly represent what most individuals would consider that definition of that word. Right. So when Trump so or like it some... gets watered down over time. Exactly. Right. And there was other things, but that's Well, God, you were I... going to say, like when Trump says, you were going to give an example. Well, when people say, like, fascism, mm-hmm. it's really not the true definition, what everyone would agree is fascism. It's some kind of perverted definition that when you hear it, everybody has their own opinion. Right. And it kind of gets skized along the general idea. Got it. Right. So it's like, right, when I see the color blue and we all go, yeah, it's blue, but we're not, maybe are not seeing blue as the same color. Exactly. We're not seeing the same shade. Right. Yeah, I get it. Uh, it's also, you know, a lot of the people even that would cry fascism are using fascism <laughs> We talked about it all the time, where they're language policing and all that stuff. It's yes. like, that's fascist. Like, you're being fascist by telling him he can't talk because he's a fascist. So it's but, this kind of weird paradoxical thing. Well, when it started out by defining democracy and de- uh, defining fascism, because it's so easy. If you cry, oh, that's democratic, that's f- like that's just inherently you're saying it's good, but what is democracy? Right. And then you anything you don't like, you cry fascism. So you need to actually have firm definitions on both of them first. Right. right. So that's one thing that I like that did, because you just use those as catch-alls. Um, the second thing that I took took note in him is he was trying to prove that uh, fascist people like I've heard there's a sense that okay fascism is the means to an end that it was like in the more traditional fascist fascism Mussolini and Hitler their goal was to get power and they were doing it by manipulating the people through this uh, using this horrible using fascism right his argument was that fascism came from an irrational means of there actually it, it actually does start in the pure hatred. It actually does start with the irrational, oh, I see. the irrational, unadulterated hatred of this group and blaming someone else for your problems. Right. So not that. So right. So putting Jews in concentration camps is not a byproduct of fascism. It is the basis of fascism, and the rest of it is just and power is seized upon those means. And right. It, right. Right. Fascism is not starting from an a rational place. Was his was oh, one of the arguments I got out oh, of okay. that? So, which I, I I enjoyed that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean the the site is warisboring.com and it's the origin of American democratic fascism is the article. Um, I'm gonna check it out for sure. But that sounds really interesting. I, you know, I gave it like a, a quick skim, but I didn't really have a chance to read it. Uh, so anyway, so if you guys want to check it out, that's great. Aaron, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, okay. You guys ready to get into the rest of the program here? Let me let me say this. Though, yes. First, so uh, I had a quest bar. Which was like a lemon cream pie quest bar, which mm-hmm. was, uh, let's be honest, not as good as I thought it was going to be. I've been waiting to eat it. What lemon uh, pie? It sounded like it was going to be good. No, That's right up no, my it head. doesn't. Please don't leave the cream pie out of that part. It's a lemon, yeah, it's cream, a lemon pie. cream pie. What, uh, oh, it's a cream disrespectful pie of the quest bar people. But anyway, so I ate that. Then I take a sip of my polar seltzer cranberry lime, 
And I was like, whoa, this shit is sweeter than I'm used to. I've been talking about it for 20 minutes now. Matt's like, okay, we get it. But I don't know. Throughout the course of the show, I'm going to keep drinking this Polar Seltzer. I'll tell you if it starts to taste normal, but it could be the combination of the Quest Bar with the Polar Seltzer. But if something happens to me, knock on wood, this is a record here. Okay? I think we it was need, the Polar Seltzer. I think we need to do a study. Maybe a double-blind... Double uh... A little research project. You do here. realize that this isn't Russia, where if you speak out, you die, right? Not yet. <clears throat> Working on it. All right, President Trump. Thank you. Uh, all right, you ready? You ready to get on to the program here? I keep before we start. Like I just want to say, in this case, I wholeheartedly disagree with what WikiLeaks did. Oh god! And we're going to have an in-depth discussion on why I feel this way. You, but you did okay. But you didn't wholeheartedly disagree with it last week when we first mentioned it. But now, what happened? Uh, I didn't. Well, let's re- okay. Well, let, all right. Well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. It, at a press conference about the Vault Seven leaks, which is the biggest CIA document dump in the history of the world, uh, Julian Assange offered cooperation with tech companies to help secure their systems. Microsoft and Cisco company corporation said they were into it. Alphabet's Google, Apple, Samsung, and uh, Huawei. H U A. W-E-I, I don't, I don't know, I've never heard of it, did not comment on the offer. Mm-hmm. This is Julian Assange, it's just a minute, you know, uh, of him offering his services, and then we can have a conversation about it. Uh, considering um, uh, what we think is the best way to proceed and uh, hearing these calls from um, some of the manufacturers, uh, we have decided to uh, work with them uh, to give them some exclusive access uh, to the additional technical details we have uh, so that fixes uh, can be developed uh, and pushed out so people can be secured. And then once this material is effectively uh, disarmed uh, by us, by removing critical components, uh, we will publish uh, additional details uh, about uh, what has been occurring. I want to draw attention uh, to... Okay, now it goes on to stuff there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, go ahead. What's the matter? All right. Now that I thought about it in depth, yeah. this tells people what tools the CIA has right. and the Russians or whomever can propel themselves by doing research and learning the in and outs of these such programs. Yeah. That's a possibility for sure. So there's a difference between... Like, it's kind of like that thing where a couple of year, like years ago, they were talking about the terrorists, and then the newscasters would give people, like, possible terroristic ideas. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. Right, where they're explaining, like, a pressure cooker bomb in detail. Like yeah. Anderson Cooper's, like, buying the parts. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of convinced... I'm not convinced that the Russians didn't already have this. I, I mean, there's, the, mm. there's interesting ties between WikiLeaks and Russia to begin with, so whether Russia... I'm so sick of that. I... Somebody comments all the time. I can't think of his name right now. I apologize. But he's always loyal listener and comments all the time. Often, I feel like he's mad at me. But uh, <laughs> no. but he's very convinced that like Assange is in bed with the Russia. But like, I, I what, think, but you do, have to, you do have to look at his motives a little bit. And everything that comes out does happen to be in favor of Russia. So does he? Is there how so- is this? See, but that's that's the thing. This isn't in favor of Russia. This is in favor of everybody has this information now. Whether Russian actors use it, first of all, well, the Russian, let's, let's say this. So it's Americans that leaked it, right? We're pretty sure that that's the case. Snowden said that you'd have to have high-level U.S. clearance, basically, to have access to these programs. They come out. 
So that's a Russian, an American at fault. If you want to put fault or whatever, it's a Russian that yeah. uh, an American that's likely behind it. Also, we have to put some blame on our own CIA because they're stockpiling these ways of of hacking into things and leaving back doors open and all that stuff. Maybe their methods need to be corrected and not leave a pile of hacking tools just lying around because we talked about it with shadow brokers yeah. and now it's another situation. That's number number two. Number three, don't, shouldn't we, that becomes the question, right? Shouldn't we as an American citizenry know what our unelected officials are doing? Right? I mean, don't we have a right to know or should we know or do you not think that we well, should know that there there is this capability to spy on us or, uh, you know, when you go abroad or whatever, how, however these things are being, you know, used, shouldn't we know that? So, okay, yes, there might be. It's the same way with anything. You can make this argument about when uh, the printing press was invented. You go, well, mm. you know, d- uh, evil people are going to get more information. Yeah. <laughs> That's the internet. You know, the internet yeah. works the exact same way. Yes, everybody. It is truly democratic. And Snowden said it. And I don't want to butcher the quote, but if I remember correctly, he goes, the only way you can be truly free is when you're in prison. Because when you're in an act, when you're in a free, you know, democracy, the only, I'm sorry. He said the only way you can be truly safe is when you're in prison. When you're in a democracy or when you're in a society that is free, there is an inherent risk of danger. That is the bargain. Mm. You're free, but everybody else is free too. And so they can act the way that they want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the game we're always playing. Same thing here. It's true information that I want to know. And it, because I know it, then maybe somebody that is going to use it. Yeah, but what do you need to like? Why does Chris finally have to know what tools the CIA is capable of? So I can make informed decisions about who I'm going to vote for and who I'm going to support and ha- what they're talking about. And I can actually read through the line. If I don't know what they're capable of, then I can't a- adequately decide whether these are the right people to be in that position to begin with. And then you elect somebody that is going to appoint, you know, I mean, obviously it's more complicated than that, yeah. but at face value, that's really what it is. And also, I want to know information about everything. I, I know a lot of useless information as well, but I just like having information. It just, I, that's how I am. So, so first of all, I, I do, I'm, like, I'm not siding with Joey in this one. I do think it's better that it came you out. You really shouldn't. No. I, uh, <laughs> but some, uh, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the best thing that'll come of it, come of it is these companies can close their holes and make our product safer, and that's the good that comes with it. Absolutely, but sure. To the point I was trying to make about your, your apprehensive about the Russia ties to, to Assange, the article that you sent us about Reuters says, that, or from Reuters, in it discusses how the companies were apprehensive because of the possible ties between Russia and Assange. So these the companies, meaning they were reluctant to cooperate or whatever, take the offer up on cooperation from WikiLeaks be, because, because the, of that. there is there is suspicion that, that, because there is uncertainty. I'm right. not saying he's defi- it's definitively a tie. I'm Understood. saying there's. It's something that you should consider when you look at when you look at WikiLeaks that there might be some comp- he might be compromised. Right. Well. Okay. And now you're right, Joey. I mean, this is like a legitimate thing that you're bringing up. There is no right answer necessarily. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I believe that Assange is a rational actor and a guy who is he has a set of guiding principles, whatever those are specifically. But I look at them and I go, I think he has a a moral compass. And he's not necessarily trying to tip the scales towards like it doesn't make sense to me as through all the other actions this guy's taken it doesn't make sense to me that he would be trying to put Russia in power it just doesn't make sense to me based on everything else that he's done I mean but I do want to say something that I've since forgotten God man <laughs> if 
we if we're working if I mean us personally we're sort of working on the assumption that Russia has something on our pre- the president of the United States right is it such a stretch to assume that that they have something on a guy who's been accused of rape before isn't the president of anything Oh, well that's see what you say I mean that's I mean I'm just saying it, it's not the the largest stretch in the world to assume that Russia has blackmail on the man that's not the largest stretch. okay that's an interesting perspective um yeah again, there's again, no way to right. speculation complete speculation and it reminded me now of what i was going to say so we're skeptical of assange because he doesn't reveal his sources we don't mm-hmm. know so we go listen could be russia it could be joey for you know it's like we don't know who it is yeah joey it, was it you it's probably joey uh, <laughs> but you know there's no way to know but by the same token i don't think people look at a new york times article or a washington post article when they go unnamed government sources you know speaking on condition of anonymity i'm not saying that they should name those sources but we take that at face value as well yeah. when that could be anybody anybody <laughs> we don't know but i'm gonna say that the new york times would have a higher standard and in defense of national security not print that article i think they would no they print a lot of articles like that and glenn greenwald's always talking about that he goes we're be be wary of when you get a government you know like a government source like Maybe, but also it could just be somebody that works for, you know, with Trump and knows what the party yeah. line is. And they're just reinforcing it. We saw it a lot under the in the Bush years that stuff like that happened where they go, you know, sources say that there's nuclear weapons or whatever. There wasn't, <laughs> but they were planting stories. They were yeah. they were doing that. So the, it works both ways. But I understand people's I do understand the apprehension. I'm just saying personally, I don't feel like Assange is. I mean, to Matt's point, though, I mean, I guess that's possible, right? I don't yeah. know. But I, mean, I don't feel like Assange is working as a bad actor against a particular anyone. Yeah. I, I think he's just interested in putting out information for people to have. Yeah, for consumption. Exactly. I mean, I'm under the assumption that, yes, the stuff he puts out is can do good. Like, I, I'm happy that stuff is getting put out, but I think is what he puts out does have a bias to it. And you have to just be like... How so? I think... Everything that's coming out is really favoring Russia lately. But like, this doesn't favor Russia. It weakens it. It weakens America. It weakens the CIA. It therefore, therefore strengthens Russia as the leading world espionage power the, and the leading world power. Eh. It improves Russian interests. I, guess, I mean, I well, guess it's just anti-American. I mean, I but say. it's not anti-American. It's anti. Listen, that we talked about it last week. Be, just because we perceive as Americans right now that the intelligence agencies are somehow against. Trump or wary of Trump that they're that we should just rally around them. No, we don't want the most secretive organizations in the world running our country. We don't want that at the very least as much as I don't want Trump to be the president of the stupid shit that he's doing. We can see the stupid shit that he's doing. We can see where it's coming from. We understand Mm -hmm. the CIA. We don't understand. And this is a, a fraction of what they're going to put out on the CIA. I can't look at what they did, what he did by putting out collateral murder video, by doing, you know, taking the information from Chelsea Manning, Mm -hmm. all the other stuff that's come out. I can't go, well, that was good, but this is bad. It's either all good or it's all bad because none of it's false. Once again, it's all true information. Mm -hmm. So you're either in favor of true information coming out or you're not. And that's really what it is. You're either okay with some secrecy fine but that's just not how i am if he's putting the information out and it's accurate then I, it's going to be what it's going to be i don't think you have to assign whether it's like getting the information you can say is morally good because it improves our knowledge you right but you're that. saying but, but I don't, you're I, saying there's a bias i think and I, I think you can you have to look at the man like whether you're assigning whether getting the information good are we getting the complete story first of all is he is he skewing it so it 
changes people. Well, how's he skewing? Did he put the information out? Did he have something on the DNC? Did he have something on the RNC that he didn't leak? No, what, he, what? he already answered that question. That's the thing. We got to take the guy. At fa- we have to take him at face value. He said we had RNC stories, but they were already out. They were already published. We got documents from the RNC. They were already put published elsewhere. So there was no benefit to putting it out. The shit that he put out was not published anywhere else. That's he answered that question. I'm just I'm just sort of believe that okay I'll I'll believe what I, what is the government document coming out. I don't necessarily trust what the man himself says. I'm just. But you don't I, have I, to trust what he says. I I trust the documents. I trust that. Right. Okay. Well, then that's is, my point, though. Right. You but only saying, have to trust the documents. You don't have to listen to a fucking word Assange says. But you just said I should trust. I just should take him on well, face value. In terms no, of no. I'm saying we have to take him on face value if you're going to take what he says. But you said did he? I, I'm just yeah. looking. I'm just looking at what he's doing with trying to figure out what his motives are and looking at him with an air of skepticism. Right. But you're. But if you're not going to listen to what he says, how are you going to understand what his motives are? I'll look at his actions. The same way, the same way I think Trump should be viewed. I think anyone who's under suspicion, you can't take at face value. But why is Assange under suspicion? He's under suspicion if you're not taking what he says at face value. You're taking what other people say about him at face value, but you have no reason to believe what they're saying about it. It's just a guess. You know, yeah. I get what you're saying, but it's like, why? You know, all of a sudden I, now, because I, there's this thing with Russia, who know, who's to say that wikileaks isn't going to get the tax documents who's to say you know what i mean it's just a waiting game to see what else they're going to put out and i'll be happy i'll be happy to be surprised i'm not saying he's i'm not saying he's necessarily corrupt i'm just saying i'm not saying he's either way i'm saying because there's that doubt in my mind i'm not taking his i'm not taking his words at face value i'm going to embrace the documents that come out but say but think to myself is there a more is there a greater motive what is going on i don't necessarily i think I'm not going to just say WikiLeaks is the greatest thing, thing of all time. I'm not going to say this is an inherently good organization. I don't think you need to assign moral. I don't, you're trying to assign a morally, this is a morally good thing. I don't think that is really. Well, I'm not to trying do. to assign a morally. I'm not saying it's a morally good thing. I'm saying it's good to have more information. That's I believe that. That's the truth. Well, you were saying if you if I, if I thought the whole Chelsea Manning thing was good, I have to keep saying this is all very good. Well, no, but I'm saying, but I, I was in favor of that information coming out. And I thought that information was extremely valuable for a democracy and, and, and informing my opinions about how the United States operates around the world. I found that information. I did like, I thought it was, I thought it was good that it came out. So I'm saying this information is it also, it, you have to accept this information as well. well. It's the same organization. But, but so, so like, What's different about it. So, so just to go back to like the, the article that was sent to the beginning from Aaron. Yeah. It just got like, when you're looking at how people, I mean, it discusses how fascism will rise in modern society. And it comes all, it's all about controlling the media, controlling the news. Right. You can tell the truth and still have the propaganda because they're selectively telling the truth. If you skew th- only tell a certain part of the truth, that's still you can still shape people's opinions away from reality. Right, and but so you're saying that you think that this is that? I think it might be if you're getting partial truth, that can still be very dangerous. But how are we getting part? Absolutely, but how are we getting partial truth here? If, he put out the information, but if, like real documents. Yeah. Yes. And. Yeah. But is there more he's holding back? Is there? Well, he's told us. He goes, "This is a fraction of it." They're still yeah. vetting the other information. But that—that's the same with any, you know, when uh, I, I, wi- Watergate, all that stuff. I think I'm more. Looking they at, didn't put out all the information immediately. They had to vet these the sources. And the CIA documents, like, the, there's there's less intention on that than the, the like the RNC, like or all the DNC stuff, like oh, right. You you just. Looking at a motive, you sort of have well, to be... Well, also, let's be clear about that, though. There, All of this stuff that came out about the DNC was not Assange. Like, this, the Podesta emails was Assange. 
But then there was a whole separate, there was DC leaks and there was all that other stuff that came out from the DNC, which may or may not have had to do with him, right? But it wasn't a WikiLeaks release. So that's the thing. I think two things got conflated anyway. It's not like he was putting out, uh, you know, was he Hillary? No, he wasn't Hillary's Goldman speeches. That was a different thing. Right, I mean, they put out Podesta emails, which is a completely different story. I, I just think that there there is a danger to say someone is inherently good. You have to actually. Well, a, there, I, I don't. I actually don't care if he's good or not. You know what I mean? I think what he's doing is good. But there's a journalistic responsibility to not to to be honest and tell the whole truth, and that and that's why an organization like the New York Times I trust because I trust they have built the reputation that if they say they have a source, I know. They only go on. They only publish that if they are confident that their source is telling the truth, and that they're confident that they're just confident in the quality of their work. Here's the thing: Has the New York Times ever issued a retraction? Yes. Has WikiLeaks? I don't know. I don't think they have. I yeah. don't believe so. Because I think they would have been sued viciously <laughs> if they had put something out that would like all this shit that they put out. They're putting out information about very powerful organizations, very powerful people powerful people there would be a legal way to stop them from doing that if what they were putting out was not true and was not vetted and was not journalistic you know following journalistic ethics uh, again you could we could you could be right i could be right it's still a story in progress but i'm just saying based on what i've seen over the course of however many years now with assange i watch a lot of his interviews and i think that's important too to watch his press conference they're like an hour you know watch when he's mm-hmm. being interviewed because he's just an enigm- enigmatic guy he's a weird guy for sure um but i think it's important to hear like his perspective and when he really lays out a case because you go okay this doesn't seem like somebody that's i don't think trying to i think he's trying to be a force for good but what, however you want to put that. Now, does that mean that he doesn't have some kind of anarchistic streak? He might. <laughs> it seems like he might. You know what I mean? I mean, he's certainly a guy that attacks power, but he views journalism as that. And I, and I agree, and the majority of Americans agree that way, that the press should be very aggressive towards the president and people in power. He's always struck me sort of as a man with a go- bit of a God complex. Just thinking he like he is more important than... I don't think he. I I see what you mean, but I don't think it's necessarily. He could be, but it it doesn't seem like. Just so Starks is very egotistical, and maybe, but I think people that are, you know, have a very strict code, whatever that is, like without giving it a, a moral judgment. I think that they think they're right. Well, <laughs> you know you, what I mean? You, have, you so, have to. You have right. To. So I think that you know it's the same thing. Well, um, also, I just, I just love that all three of us have completely distinct opinions on this that are really no overlap oh absolutely I, I mean i said it i tweeted it um you know a while back like wikileaks is the dividing line the, the, it's the interesting thing because it's sort of like it's a monolith you you look at it and it's like i'm i don't know what i'm you know maybe you get nothing back from it i don't know like it's just information so information in and of itself the written word all that stuff is dangerous it's more dangerous than not having it but I, we'd never be like we should we gotta get rid of books here, there's the, dangerous information in books yes well, well, here's the thing. I think everyone is afraid because, as individuals, we don't know what somebody else is going to do with that information. And I That's think what that yeah. is what's scaring everybody. Right. And the, But that, again... And that's because why, then information is out there, but when everyone has access to it... Yes. Then what happens? Well, right. But that's why... Exactly. But that's the point I'm trying to make. 
It's not his fault if he puts out accurate information that people in societies can't handle it. It's the job of the society and the individual to be able to responsibly understand information. And we can't legislate that. The, you can't control that always. The only way you can control that is to have a prison population where the everything is controlled by a fascist, authoritarian, whatever government. And it feels like... We're heading more towards that. That's why when you have somebody like an Assange or a WikiLeaks and they're putting out information, it gets this crazy response, different responses from so many different people Mm -hmm. because it's like pouring fucking peroxide in a cut. It's bubbling up because there is a problem and sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. That's why that phrase exists. Like Again, though, you can't know how people are going to take information. Look at religion. Should we get rid of religion? Maybe oh, because some people can handle it and some people can't. It's the same. Any kind of idea or ideology or information, some people just can't handle that. Some people can't handle the fact that death is a real thing. That is a real fucking thing. Nope. I'm going to go see Jesus when I die. It's going to be great. We're going to have breakfast. We're going to hang out. He's going to read me stories. Like, that's the thing. You know, people react to information differently and it's not necessarily good or bad or whatever. It's just what it is. And however people are going to react, they're the conduit. The information is the information, but people are, are going to filter it their own way. Well, and this is why the ultimate responsibility lies with really lies in the media. And we hit the, there's the freedom of the press that is inherent in this country, but it's also there with that freedom is a huge responsibility to make sure you're being honest. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, uh, truthful. Yes. Truth. That's that. Right. Yeah. Uh, because you could be being honest, but you could be totally wrong. And I mean, that's what this article on fascism was about: is saying, okay, with Newspeak and all that, you can be telling the tr- saying everything, and that's the same thing. But like Assange can be putting out everything factual, but still have an agenda, and that's the ultimate point. You you can still have an agenda, but with the truth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, that's probably a good place to start. I mean, that was yeah. a good conversation. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, because we can just keep going with that. But right. But he can himself have an agenda. But again, the information is the information. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, Again, we always stay on top of WikiLeaks. It's fascinating. It's an inter- he's an interesting guy. I, you know, I, I just want to see. Like, I want to see 40, 50 years from now what history has to say about it. Oh yeah, that, well, that's, that, what, that's that, what it's going to take, right? Well, and you can't really study something in history until forty years later when all the key actors are dead, right, or not involved anymore. Well, and there's more to come. We don't know. You know, three weeks from now they could have put out the most important information that any of us has ever heard. We don't know. We're in a very strange world right now, and things are changing by the day. Oh, absolutely. Yes, it is. We live in truly novel times. Uh, All right. War. Good segue. The United States has drawn up plans to deploy up to a thousand more troops into northern Syria in the next few weeks ahead of a looming offensive against ISIS in their de facto capital city of Raqqa, Syria, basically doubling U.S. ground forces there. Um, I have a quote here from a U.S. Defense Department official. If the caps were removed, referring to Obama-era troop caps, 5,000 in Iraq, 500 in Syria. So those are caps. If those caps were removed, it would allow us to fight as we train. Military doctrine promotes agility and would help us respond as conditions dictate. The lesson learned from Libya and Iraq is that you better have a plan B force or you, or, or you are asking for trouble. Okay, but look who we have in the Oval Office. I don't necessarily think we should be taking caps off the amount of troops that he can put in certain areas because at that point he might just go, let's put a hundred thousand. He's a nut. We, we don't really want this guy in charge. And Mattis, who I like, uh, who's the secretary of defense or secretary of war, depending on what the situation is. Um, he's for us troops. You know, he, he, 
is a pro put boots on the ground guy in a lot of ways. Well, also the other thing about the uh, the thousand soldiers is we're not just talking about um, excuse excuse the word but grunts. Right. We're talking about officers, people in high positions, oh, sure. strategists, so individuals that are more than just troops on the ground. Right. So cannon fodder. Yes. So maybe it has to do more with that. Yeah, definitely. I, the the war, Here's the thing. We've talked about it a number of times. If you want to wipe out ISIS, put 100,000 U.S. troops on the ground. We're not going to do that, but yeah. that's what you do. Uh, 1,000, so now you say you got 2,000 U.S. troops. You got these U.S.-backed forces, different militia groups, Iraqi forces, um, which I don't think they'd be involved in Syria, obviously, but they'd be there uh, in Iraq. What happens if it starts to now become a bloodletting situation where it's like, yeah, we got a thousand troops. We got 2000 troops. We lost 400 here. We lost three here. We lost six here. All right. We'll put another 500 in. All right. We'll put another 500. What happens if that happens? What if this becomes a prolonged thing? Plus you're putting us troops now in Syria, which is a totally different animal than in Iraq. We have a better relationship with Iraq. Obviously we've been there for that amount of time. Mm -hmm. We've trained the soldiers. We've, we've worked Syria. It's not the same situation in Syria. There's a lot more variables they're run by a dictator, a guy who is an absolute, you know, authoritarian animal that's sh killed his own people and destroyed huge swaths of, of Syria. Uh, plus, you have a lot of different rebel groups who are fighting in a civil war with the administration while ISIS is also there. So there's a lot of gray area. How do we Iran get is involved. Russia's involved. So now you're putting U.S. troops on the ground there. It's a different story, and I worry that it becomes a, uh, a drip that turns into a leak of now we have a lot of troops there and we're committed because Trump, a lot of people on the right have taught uh, Jeb Bush, a lot yeah. of people in the campaign have talked about creating safe zones and making sure that people can stay in Syria as opposed to coming here. Well, that's a massive undertaking in terms of blood, treasure, grunts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of people. That's a, that is a massive problem, especially when you watch stuff like on Vice where people who were part of the resistance against Assad, their cities got destroyed. And now you go in there and you go, do you think the administration was responsible for this? And I go, no, no, no. So that's a, a serious situation. See, the uh, the crazy thing I just realized, which we've been doing it for a long time now, yeah. we seem to get involved in civil wars quite easily. Sure. And probably had something to do with the civil war being started to begin with, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing, the U.S. involvement in the Middle East. It's not the sole factor in why, you know, Islamic terrorism is a, is a problem in the world or why, you know, the West is attacked. But it's a it is a factor, our, our involvement. And even when you look at stuff like Arab Spring, where Egypt elects uh, Mohammed Morsi, right, who's a part of the Muslim Brotherhood, is that mm -hmm. correct? Um, we don't want that. But that's what they elected. But then we go in and we try to undo that and we try, you know what I mean? So even in Iraq with um, Al Maliki, who was the first one, uh, you know, the first prime minister after the invasion and all that stuff, the U.S. vetted him. That was who we wanted there. Now he's out. Now there's Rawani, I guess. Can we Google that? Prime Minister of Iraq now. I think it's Rawani. But anyway, you, you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. the U.S. meddles in all this stuff a lot. And right, you, you can't know. It's the same way when you put out, like we were just talking about, when you put out information, people are going to take that information and do what they will with it. Same thing. You give people, you go, well, we want democracy. Okay, we're going to elect somebody that the United States doesn't like and is a radical, you know, extremist. Well, we don't want that. Well, okay, but that's what democracy is. Yeah. It's the will of the people gets done. It's uh, Al-Abadi. Oh, fucking Abadi. Yeah. Well, who's Rwani? 
Oh, that's Iran? I'm just like throwing out. You're throwing out names. names now, yeah. Um, who's Rouhani? I'm looking it up. I'm... R-A-W-A-N-I. Hassan Rouhani? Yeah. President of Iran. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. Whew. I'm glad we got that covered. Um, all right. Also, the U.S. will significantly ramp up its military capabilities in South Korea, announcing plans to permanently deploy Gray Eagle drones capable of carrying Hellfire missiles into northeastern Asia. I have a quote here that is troubling. Jeffrey Lewis, who's a North Korean nuclear weapons program expert. If they are not going to arm them, they need to say that. He's referring to the U.S. with the Gray Eagle drones. They need to make that absolutely clear. The thing the North Koreans are most afraid of is that we're going to kill Kim Jong-un in a decapitating strike, and that will strengthen their incentives to make sure that low-level commanders will have the ability to use nuclear weapons. It will make the North Koreans even more jumpy and have a way itchier trigger finger. In a war, they plan to use the weapons early. We plan to hit them before they do that, and the South Koreans plan to hit them before we have a chance to take too long to do that. That's called a chain reaction, and that's a massive, massive problem. This is what I'm talking about. What is the end game of this administration? They are provoking wars. That is what they're doing. They're trying to start a war somewhere. Well, the end game is very simple. It's to take away laws that benefit the middle class, have everything help the 10 families that run the country. Yeah. And however we can maximize profits for those 10 families, if it happens to be a war, then it's going to be war. Well, it's also dick swinging. It's like we, they'll back down, they'll back down. Hmm. But what if they don't back down? Because now you put yourself in a situation where you have to back down. And you're not going to because you're this egomaniac that we've elected that's probably going to drop bomb. Why can't we use nuclear weapons? Because it'll end the world, oh, Jesus. you silly bastard. Go get another weave. You know what I mean? That This is a serious... This is yeah. a fucking dead serious. I, I I, always kind of roll my eyes whenever North Korea comes up, comes up because I don't think they really can start the war just be i mean if we if we started the war then well, that's that would what i'm be, saying that's what i'm afraid then of. i i don't think that's gonna happen north korea they've been posturing they're, they're always posturing they're always threatening but they know that china would just steamroll them. like yeah but china- we're always apparently now posturing and threatening that's what the united states does i mean our dick actually is bigger than theirs that we have that. right but that <laughs> but but we don't want to pull it out that's the problem yeah. and that's the issue that's the problem. We do, yeah. We could wipe out any country on Earth, but we can't do that because if we do that, other countries are going to react to that. Well, I mean, now we're getting into an interesting, interesting situation where the, the one of the main reasons we never use nuclear weapons is because Russia Russia would use them in return. Right, mutually destroyed what, destruction. Right. Yes. What if what if what if it's what if Vladimir Putin encourages us to do that, and all, sure. all of a sudden, then we're in, all of a sudden, is there that restriction off nuclear war? Right. Well, Trump is. Yeah. Well, Trump has said that in maybe not as so many words. He said, you know, wouldn't it be great if the United States and Russia could like work together? Like in his mind, somehow the United States and Russia run the world, you know, for real. And I'm not like there. He said things like that. Whereas Russia has an economy that's like half the size of France that has. I mean, well, and also led by somebody that's not really interested in sharing the world with you. You, you no, understand? Like he, he's a, it's a kleptocracy. It's yeah. all about him and his oligarch friends making as much money as possible and fuck everyone who's against him. Right. 
Agreed. And it's not it's not going to be like us two running the world. It's going to be all right, now it's down to us and, two. Let's and, get let's get to it. And Putin is the most Machiavellian guy out there. He's going to find any way to take advantage of, of any of, uh, take advantage of you. Right. He, he's purely Machiavellian. Yeah, well, he's been trained. This is what he does. Yeah. He's been trained to do this and it's worked very well for him. Yeah, he's possibly the richest man alive right now. Is that right? I've read as Well, because he controls the state assets. Yeah, I mean, he would never admit it, but just because like if you actually look at it all his oligarch friends are all multi-billionaires. Right. By all logic, he probably is pretty up there. And I've seen people say suggest he has like $200 billion, Okay. Which, well, and also, you know, we're going to get into it with the Rachel Maddow stuff. She laid out a very compelling case. You know, people, whatever. We'll get into it in a little bit. Joe, you have something to say about this? Or? It's a scary world we live in. Well, yeah, I mean, it, but that's the problem. It's, you know, I don't want this guy running. You know, Trump is a... We don't know what he's going to do, but he seems like the type of guy that's going to be... Well, fuck it. Let's just do it. You know, that type of person. Why can't we use nuclear weapons? Because it will ruin everything. It will ruin the whole world. He seems like the type of guy that will... Isn't, we'll see, man, if it's just I mean, bluster or if he's really going to back it up. Mm-hmm. Nuclear we- nuclear weapons change the presidency because all of a sudden there's this great responsibility that you're the guy with your finger on the trigger. Right. And there's so much more responsibility. It, long story short, I believe is why a large part of the reason Congress has ceded a lot of their power to the presidency... It's destroyed checks and balances on this country. Because they're scared to have that responsibility. And well, and I mean, like, there's a great podcast by Dan Carlin on on this that he put out not too long ago. Hardcore history. Yeah, I love. Uh, so his most recent hardcore history episode was all about nuclear weapons and all that, and the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. And just okay, they ceded the the ability to, like, Congress never declares war anymore. It's now the president because they don't. If they had declared war in Korea back in the day, then Russia has to declare war. So it's more. It's a police action. Mm, it's right. like it's now the it's president. Conflict. Yeah, it's right. a it's a police action. We're not actually at war there, so it's it's right. Congress started this slow pattern of Congress ceding its power in order to sure. prevent nuclear war. Well, and isn't it coincidental that Congress started to be funded by corporations <laughs> when they started being like, you don't need to do that. Nah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you got other things to worry about. You can turn your head the other way. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe the. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it's because these giant military manufacturers are paying for elections and whatnot. But you know. But so now it's scary that we have someone who doesn't understand the burden of that responsibility. Right, which he clearly does not. He, he, I mean, he was doing it at fucking Mar-a-Lago, just out in the open at dinner. He literally, the nuclear football was photographed at dinner. Like, are you we talked about it? That's a real at, thing. Every president since Truman has described how the way, like the, that burden, has actually changed the way they view the world. Like, it changes the way they view the presidency. I don't think he has thought about it. Well, it was Oppenheimer, right? I am now become death or whatever, yeah. like the destroyer of worlds. I, yeah, he, that's well, I mean, that's, that's a quote from something else, I believe. But he was the Bhagavad Gita. But yeah. he said it. I'm saying, but that's that's the fucking like I could destroy everything. I'm God essentially now. Like I can destroy and create things. That's the power of it. And I don't think Trump is sitting around, you know, awed by that. He doesn't strike me as the type of guy that gets awed by much. He's in, he he likes things, but that's such a surface level esoteric understanding of the universe. I don't think Trump. He I doubt Trump thinks about the universe generally. You know he, what I mean? I, he I doubt. He thinks about it. what makes him feel good. And well, yeah, he's an he egocentric like, person. He right. wants his ego stroked, and that's. If he feels more important, he is going to be happy. Well, that's the thing. It, it doesn't. But that's what I mean. I don't think he has a uh, macro view of things. It's like this is happening in my little sphere, and that's what yeah. it is. Which you want someone who can have the micro and the macro as president. You want you, someone who can yeah. look at the whole picture. 
Right, as best they can, sure. Or at least thinks about like, I wonder where we go when we die. Like I, I rare a Trump probably doesn't ever consider that. No, he's not gonna. Die. I'm just guessing. You know what I mean? But even when they ask him about God, he's like, "Oh, God is great." Yep. Like he's just—it's not even a fucking concept to him. It's just a word. I mean, there's it's meaningless. I know you haven't watched The West Wing, but there's this one scene I love where they're talking about oh the, the other candidate has just like the snippets of of philosophy, the, the cliff notes of philosophy, whereas the the president has all the main parts of like understands the teachings. Of right. It. It, like they sum it up by saying, "I don't know what goes through the president's mind when he makes those decisions. I don't know what he's pull, what knowledge he's pulling off of, but I want him to have the entire." All the base of knowledge, not just the show, the cliff notes. Of course, I wanted to be able to pull from whatever he needs to in order to make that decision. Oh, Trump is a cliff notes president. There's no question I'm about sure. that. I, mean, I think the guy's up, admitted he has. He's like, I don't really read. You know, I think he gives up on the cliff notes because they're too long. Absolutely. Well, he wants this brief. He wants his briefings in one page. He's like, if it's not on one page, I'm not yeah. reading. So okay. He, he doesn't. I don't trust. Which him. there's some value in that. There's some value, but not when it gets to situations where it's like you need to have more than just the you know the 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 forward interest in something i don't believe he has the philosophical tools to pull from to make a big decision no uh, because i don't but, but like you said he doesn't understand he's not somebody that is going to feel the gravity of a situation i just don't believe that everything's like well you know we'll see what happens type of situation um all right let's do this and then we're going to get to our sponsor all right okay private detention centers according to ice documents immigration detention centers under former president barack obama we're brutal. This is a quote. Life inside the facilities can be so dangerous and hostile that numerous detainees have voluntarily admitted themselves to solitary confinement just to seek refuge from the general population. The remaining solitary confinement cells were routinely used to punish inmates for minor infractions like horseplay and talking back to guards, a punishment visited indiscriminately against detainees with severe mental illnesses. Now, Donald Trump, the current president, has reversed Obama-era policy to prevent private companies from running federal prisons. These are names that we've mentioned on the show before. Uh, it used to be the Corrections Corporation of America. It's now CoreCivic. They've rebranded. And GAO... Their shares have gone way up since Election Day because we know that Trump is going to do away with catch and release. There's going to be a lot of detainees. There's going to be a lot of detainees, and he's done away with that. You know, private corporations, they can be involved in this. Now, these are some quotes from the documents, and I'll just read them, and you tell me if you think this is going to be a humanitarian disaster, a nightmare, a blight on this country, or if things are going to run really smoothly. In some of these cases, logs describe detainees who appear in obvious need of psychiatric help being put in isolation for long periods. By the way, I, I, solitary confinement is torture. Like, it's yeah. internationally accepted as, like, this is torture. You can't do this to people for, you know, much more than a day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's one of the worst kinds of torture. You're driving people insane. Yes. You're destroying their mind. Right. One log reads that on June 8, 2016, core civic staff placed the detainee in isolation for stay. Uh, also, let me say this before I even say this. Mm -hmm. When a company is so shitty that they have to rebrand. Time Warner? Yeah, exactly. Spectrum now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Blackwater was Zay Corporation. Now there's some other shit. Uh, CCA is now core civic. Yeah, why? Because. They were like, you know what? Forget it. That flaming it's pile done. of garbage. It's done. Yeah. We got to throw that bitch out. <laughs> we're, tainted. we're tainted. We're tainted. We're uh, tainted. Okay. Core civic staff placed the detainee 
who's training core civics? I have a lot of questions, and we've talked about this before. Yes. Who the fuck's training these core civic staff? What are they getting paid? Are these the, high, the brightest and strongest minds? No, no, probably not. Absolutely not. Core civic staff plays the detainee in isolation for, quote, standing up in its open bay bed and urinating in a cup, followed by the detainee drinking the same urine. Core Civic, with ICE's blessing, placed this detainee in solitary confinement for nearly a month, not for mental health treatment, but to discipline him for drinking his urine. The detainee had no attorney to represent him in the disciplinary action, the log state. Okay. In another case, at Lumpkin in Texas, a mentally ill detainee was placed in disciplinary isolation because he refused to, quote, be housed in his assigned living area because he said that he is hurting and wants to see medical. Medical did see the detainee and done all that they could for the detainee. Though it's in the language of the people that wrote the report. So let's take the uh, the obvious grammatical errors into account here. These are the people that are running this place. I'm, I'm, uh, we done did what we could. Okay. That's not the, how that sentence goes. Well, the question is... We did what we could. The health individuals that they have employed are, I think, not writing those reports. No, so I'm they hoping, are. I'm so sure. I'm hoping the doctor on staff ain't that. No, I, they, they, of course that's written by the people that... Are, who's writing the reports? Yeah. In a case of the Texas facility, GEO Group placed a female detainee with mental illness in punitive isolation for two weeks for, quote, making inappropriate comments to a GEO officer while in the dormitory, which could be anything. Yes. Like, fuck you. All right, you're in solitary confinement for two weeks. Yeah, but I'm mentally unstable in a terrible situation. And committed no crime. Right. You're just detained. Yeah. The logs contain indications of things being particularly amiss at the Lumpkin facility, which is in Texas. Core Civic placed dozens of detainees in solitary confinement for hunger striking at the facility in 2016 alone. Additional logs show that Core Civic's facilities at Lumpkin were over capacity, causing detainees to be placed in solitary simply because there was no room elsewhere. Two logs state that Core Civic had placed detainees in isolation simply because its medical unit had no room to house people requiring medical attention. So That's they're great. putting the sick right. in isolation. Where they need medical attention. Yeah, and they're taking people who are lashing out, obviously because they have issues. They're not being represented. They maybe have mental issues that they're not having dealt with. Putting them in solitary confinement is going to exacerbate the problem. So the more you put them in there, the more problems they're going to have, the more time they're going to spend in solitary confinement. Seems like a cycle. It does, and you know what it else seems like? A way for these pieces of shit to make money. It doesn't matter. As long as the beds are filled, they're making money. It doesn't really matter what they do to the people because these are the most vulnerable people. We can do whatever we want with them. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It's a brilliant strategy, really. And this is why I believe that... Uh, and it did happen under Obama as well, but but at least he tried to correct it by keeping... Pri- you know, yeah. taking the pro- for-profit element out of it. But now Trump's put it back in. Well, yeah, because... Uh, yeah. This, this is why I fully believe that for-profit prisons have to be made unconstitutional. Uh, the, the only... It is profiting... It is a corporation profiting expre- like at the expense of, the minor- of minorities and those most vulnerable. Of course, and it's also for. There's a lot of things that should be not for profit in this country: education, prison, healthcare, all of it. Infrastructure, I'd say. Uh, infrastructure, we maybe I, mean, I think we can make an argument. You know, I think it's society depend. Society is so dependent on it that you can't hold that hold the government hostage. Certain over elements, I could see there being a for profit, but right, but but yeah. largely, yes, civil services, core services of a, of a democracy in a country. Yeah, and they they can't be for profit. That doesn't make any sense. I, I believe that any any segment where. It is in some in the private industry's best interest to to hurt society or hurt people to make a profit. It should be run by the government. I agree. 
I agree. And then that also needs to be... Co- yeah, but the government... Okay, yeah, I get it. There's problems with government too. Yes. The job is then to untangle private and public, the government and private corporations, untangle that. And then people are actually back in control of the government, which is how it's supposed to be. And then that's how the system's supposed to work. It's not supposed to be the other way around. That's the main... That is, in my view, the main issue. Right, Bernie. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree, sweetheart. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on this? But that, I just want to put that out there because that is a thing that is going to ramp up increasingly. Well, I think uh, some of our budget that Trump is going to do for the, the wall and all that, I think private prisons is going to be within that budget frame. That he's going to throw money for private companies to start detaining and holding oh, the... The illegal immigrants. The whole wall, the all that stuff. I mean, this is all just a bonanza for privately run companies, you know, institutions that have no, you know, um, responsibility is not exactly the word I was looking for, but they have no responsibility to anybody but their board members and and making a profit. That's all it is. That's extremely dangerous. Accountability was the word I was looking for. That's extremely dangerous. Um, All right. We're going to get to the rest of the program in a second, but I'm very excited. We have a brand new sponsor to the show, and this just goes to show that we're growing. The audience is responding. Yep. Advertisers are getting involved. We really appreciate it. Harry's Razors is now a sponsor of the Mandatory Samson Podcast. How exciting is that? It's super excited, and I just used them yeah. last Friday. I went on a date, Chris. Something oh I God. haven't done in, in like a decade. How did it go? went fantastic. I used Harry's Razors. I got rid of my neck beard i can't tell you how long that's been bothering <laughs> yeah you look good i know you were looking a little scraggly we, we you know full disclosure to the the samsonites we uh you know we got some free harry's stuff that we could try out the product obviously before you know we have to go on the show and say oh it's a great product if we didn't try it how, how would we know that uh it is a great product you look good you were scraggly i was like use the harry's razor how did it feel harry's razor close shave smooth felt great yeah it has five German engineered blades. Right. And let me tell you, smooth. I use the Harry. You, you look great. So I use the Harry's razor. Obviously, I, I keep a beard. You know, people that know me know I have a beard. But does, that doesn't mean that you don't have to shave uh, around the beard. So when I trim the beard, I got to shave, like you said, uh, under the beard, on my neck, like around my Adam's apple. I don't need like straggly hair. And above the beard also. You don't need it going up into your fucking eyeballs. So I get the Harry's razor. I trim my beard. I'm like, I'm ready to crack into this thing. First of all, it comes out cool. What? What are you laughing about? Your hair in my eyeballs? Yeah. Okay. Use this thing. First slide, I go, uh-oh, we're dealing with a totally different ball game here. Very close. No irritation whatsoever. Worked great. Comparatively to the other razors I've used in my life, this is a 10. Nice. I'm not going to lie to you. Harry's was started by two guys named Jeff and Andy who were fed up with being overcharged for razors. Oh, yeah. That's the, uh, like you said, five German engineered blades. $2 as compared to four or more you're going to pay at the drugstore mm-hmm. with like the bigger name brands. And this, I'm telling you, is a 10. These guys were fed up with being overcharged for razors. They decided to start their own razor company to give guys everywhere what they deserve, a great shave at a fair price. They bought a factory in Germany with over 100 years of blade making experience. And it shows because I'm not lying to you. You look terrific, smooth as anything. And here, no irritation. Sometimes I'll shave because I don't shave a lot because yeah. I have the beard. I'll shave every week or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you get irritated. Not with Harry's razors. Here's the important thing for people listening. And Samsonites, they support us. 
you can support us and Harry's by taking advantage of this offer. And I'm telling you, you're not going to be disappointed. Like, it's definitely the right move. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades that they want you to try their most popular trial set for what is that word? What does it say there next? It says free. 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 Comes with a razor handle of your choice. I have the orange one. I like it. Ergonomic handle. Beautiful. Fits in my hand like a glove. Five blade cartridge and shaving gel, which smells delightful. It's like what a guy smells. It's like a masculine smell. Yeah. Free when you sign up. Just pay a small fee for shipping. Obviously, what are they going to do? They're going to send it in a, in a bird's mouth. You got to get it shipped. They're going to fly it somewhere. To redeem your free trial offer, go to harrys.com slash Samson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N right now. That's harrys.com slash Samson. Try the free trial set. Ooh, you're going to like it. You're I like love it. it. And thank you, Harry's, for sponsoring the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's a sign of growth, and we really appreciate that. So thank you, Harry's. Once again, harrys.com slash Samson. Get a close, comfortable shave for, you know, two bucks. All right. So let's talk about uh, Rachel Maddow and Trump's taxes. This was a... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this was a big deal. On Tuesday night, Rachel Maddow made public, in uh, in conjunction with the Daily Beast tax expert and investigative journalist David K. Johnston, two pages of Donald Trump's 2005 tax returns. The Trumps paid $38 million on $150 million in income. They paid $5.3 million in regular federal income tax, roughly 4%. And they also paid $31 million in the alternative minimum tax, which is an additional tax imposed on certain people, corporations, estates, and trusts that have exemptions or special circumstances that allow them to pay less standard taxes, as I like to call the rich fuck exemptions. Okay, <laughs> You have enough money that you can actually be exempt from paying the amount of tax that you're supposed to pay. I want that exemption. You got to make a billion. Make, why don't you own a golf course then, loser? Okay. Uh, here's a White House statement in the, oh, I have it in the media folder. I wrote a note to myself and I was like, what? It's in the wrong This folder. is Yeah. Uh, this is the White House statement. Should I read it as Trump? Yeah. It's you, not from Trump, but it's a White House statement. Do you, do you, do you have your spicer down yet? No, I haven't, I haven't figured out the McCain spicer. it. No, I think, no, McCain. I think, no, I can't. McCain. This isn't McCain. McCain does not. Stand this is not on McCain this. territory. Yeah. No, this has got to be Trump. <laughs> like respect McCain. Respect. Yeah, you know you're desperate for ratings when you are willing to violate the law to push a story about two pages of tax returns from over a decade ago. Before being elected president, I was one of the most success. It says Mr. Trump, but obviously I'm reading it as Trump. I was one of the most successful businessmen in the world with the responsibility to my company, my family, and my employees to pay no more tax than legally required. That being said, I paid $38 million, even after taking into account large-scale depreciation for construction on an income of more than $150 million, as well as paying tens of millions of dollars in other taxes, such as sales and excise taxes and employment taxes, and this is illegally published return proves just that. Despite the substantial income figure and tax paid, it is totally illegal to steal and publish tax returns. The dishonest media can continue to make this part of their agenda while I will focus on this, which on my policy, which includes tax reform that will benefit all Americans. First of all, it's not in any way illegal for them to publish this. <laughs> were you At supposed all. to stay in character? Because I was just going to ask you about that. Oh, good, good, Mr. Trump. Yes. Where does it say that it's illegal? I I saw it on Fox. Oh, okay. I just know it. You don't know it. You're stupid. It's illegal. It's not illegal. It's not illegal in any way. Okay. So now that we got that out of the way, well, I, 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 just another question. Yeah. Um, Mr. Trump, I believe that you paid. No more than you should have legally. 
That is correct. How do you feel about that? I feel great. I feel smart. I feel like a businessman. So you feel like you're going to remove this ATM, right? Ass to mouth? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, the alternative minimum. Sorry. Sorry, yes. Melania. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to get rid of it for sure. So you're going to get rid of that and that's going to help the everyday American? Well, of course, less taxes is better for every people. But taxes every, pay for everything. Every people. I stand by that. What? Every people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. I'm an everyday American. So now with your budget and all this, where's the money going to come from if you get rid of that tax that makes sure the revenue comes in? We're going to take it from old people and poor people. And Mexicans. And six. And sick people, right? No, sick people would be covered. Everybody would be covered. Don't forget that during the Trump care debates, I said every American will be covered. I thought you didn't call it Trump care, Mr. Trump. Whatever. You get it. My care. <laughs> uh, all right. So back to the story. So now Rachel Maddow, this is how it all went down. Yes. And the reason I want to talk about this, I want to put the conversation in the right context, like in the right perspective. And then I want to talk about some of the reaction to Rachel Maddow, like doing this the way that she did it, because she got hit from a lot of different people that I was surprised about slate, which is left wing red state, which is right wing saying similar things, which I found frustrating and also surprising. I found her presentation riveting. I loved watching it. It was great. Um, and so I was kind of surprised that and dismayed that the left wing was so critical of what Rachel Maddow did. And Matt, actually, we talked a little bit about it before the show, but then I was like, stop, we'll talk about it on the mm-hmm. show. He disagrees with me on this. So Rachel Maddow at 7.36 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday tweeted, breaking, we've got Trump tax returns tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, MSNBC, parentheses, seriously. Okay. Seriously, so now I see that great. and I go, ooh, this is going to be good. I'm, in, I'm interested. But it does not say... We have information that's going to ruin the Trump presidency. We have all of his tax returns. We ha- it didn't say that. It just says we have Trump tax returns. We've got Trump tax returns. Yes. Doesn't say, okay. That, so to me, that's not really misleading. That is what it is. They go on the air, and for the first like 15 minutes of the show, she lays out a case. She says they have, first of all, she goes, we have two pages of Trump's 2005 tax returns. She says that pretty early on in the show it's not like she's saying like we have all of them and then later mm-hmm. it's like well actually we have two she said it pretty early on and then she l- gets into as she's been doing for weeks now laying out possible connections between trump and russian oligarchs and why he's uh you know seemingly has this weird connection to russia and putin and, and what is going on it's not like she's saying definitively and i don't think she has to say definitively but what she's doing is she's going Listen, Trump is at an airport. Trump's in a particular place. This Russian oligarch, whose name I forgot at this point, his plane is also there. And they go, well, it's just coincidence. Mm. He's also, Trump had a property that he bought for $40 million in, uh, I don't know, 2000, whatever, six, seven, I forget when it was. Uh, And then mysteriously, this same Russian guy buys the property from Trump at, uh, for $100 million. 60 million over what Trump paid for it at, at the time of the recession, like when the recession was hitting. So properties in Florida were just dismal. He pays 60 million over what Trump paid for it. Why? And th- <laughs> and then he proceeded to tear down the property because he didn't Yeah, care and then about the Russian oligarch teared it down, didn't move there, had nothing to do, it just tore the property down. Why? Why would he do that? I don't know. We got to move money somehow, Christopher. Exa- well, exactly, right? I'd love to know. 
And Rachel Maddow has been laying this case out. She's not saying she's like, we just need to know the information. And she keeps trying to find that information. Also, I want to say this. People are like, well, she fucking teased it to the commercial break. And then she revealed and she does basically the same thing every night. I don't watch Rachel Maddow every night, but I have been recently because I'm really impressed with her investigative journalism, impressed with yes. the way she's laying out these cases. She does that all the time. It takes her 12 minutes to get to the point. Yeah, she's long-winded. That's what that, she does. That's just her style. That, that's my major criticism against her usually. It's just, okay, you don't have to start the story. Like, you, you give too much background in the story. You, she has a radio... To me, she has a she has a radio background. She used to be on NPR. She runs her television show essentially like a podcast, like a longer-form thing. That's just how she does it. That's just yeah. her style. So it's not like she t- it's not like she does her show normally like Chris Matthews, and then on Tuesday night, she was like, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll trick all these dumb fucks we got to tune in tonight. Like, that's not what happened. So, okay. Let's read some of the criticism. Oh, by the way, so uh-huh. yeah, the tax returns. There. Let me say this before we get into the criticism. They didn't, it's not like the tax return had anything, a smoking gun in it. She didn't tweet that there was a smoking gun. She didn't act like there was a smoking gun. She was just laying out the case as to why it's important and why it's interesting. Also, it is a big scoop. Yes. Right? DCreport.org. You want to go see the two pages. It's also on her blog. Questions from this. And then the context. Where do the docs come from? They mm. showed up two documents, no return address, in an envelope in David K. Johnson's mailbox. They're there. We don't know where they came from. Was it like written with, like, did it go, tra- did it travel through the mail or someone walked there yeah, and dropped mailed, it off? It was mail. It was mail. Yeah. Okay. Or right, is there more coming? These are questions that I have. What about the, his Russian ties? Like, what is going to be revealed? That's why it's important to see these these documents. I want to see who Trump owes money to. I want to see where his money's coming from. Because apparently he only made $100 million that year. For a billionaire, that doesn't seem like a lot of money to be making, right? Where is he getting the rest of that billion dollars that he's making? He's a multi-billionaire. If he only made $100 million in income, how, where's the rest of his money coming from? Where are his assets? Who does he owe money to? Who does he? Okay. Mm-hmm. These are all things I want to know. What bank owns him? Exactly. What? Right. Where is his? Right. That would exactly. be Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank, which uh, coincidentally has ties to this Russian oligarch. Like, Uh-oh. that's the thing. I've been watching Little Rachel Maddow too lately. <laughs> For sure, because it's not bullshit. You watch this. Well, I, I've just been loving the fact that they say their motto is they're not looking at the tweets. They're not looking at what he says. They're just following the money. They're right. really, she's killing it lately because they are following the money. Absolutely. It's and, true. Investigative journalism is what she's doing. Well, she, she's not doing like, she's not the, I think it's, she's getting a lot of stories from guys like the New Yorker and just building the pieces and putting things together. Right. It's not necessarily, she's that's true. The, I guess. So like give credit to, to other people who are doing the other work and, investigative journalism is like there's one person tracking down a store for four story for four or five months sure that person you gotta give credit but to. she's doing a good job synthesizing yeah. that information that's out there and, and putting it together also though she did get the department of homeland security memo about the immigration ban and all that stuff which that is first person reporting like that's yeah. what she's doing she got those documents she reported it so uh, it's impressive and i also tweeted the other night this is the difference this is the false equivalency between msnbc and fox news fox News is not doing what rachel maddow is doing <laughs> she's not taking investigative journalism synthesizing it trying to explain things she's not getting first person documents and, and breaking stories like that it's just not how it is that's a false equivalency what rachel maddow is doing is brilliant and what they're doing is hackery in a lot of ways okay now this is the context i want to put things in the conversation should not be about rachel maddow's presentation or that trump legally paid his taxes because he did these documents show Mm -hmm. 
He paid what he was supposed to pay. That's not the problem. It's about how much we want billionaires to pay generally. That's the conversation. Trump didn't do anything illegal. The problem is, do we want what he did to be legal? No. <laughs> I don't want billionaires to be paying 4% income tax because if he gets away with the alternative minimum, that's what he would have paid that year. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty goddamn good for him, but it's not good for the rest of the country. That money then gets fucking stored in his bank accounts or Russia or the Bank of Cyprus or any of these places, or he buys property and it's gone. That's not in the he's economy. Not, he's anymore. not reinvesting that money. Right. If you give if you give that give the tax breaks to the teachers, the people who are struggling to get by, they have to they have to reinvest that money. Of course. That's uh, you don't have a rich fuck tax. You don't have a rich fuck exemption. He does. You want a strong middle class? Have the money come down. Yes. Yes. Not trickle down. Reinvest it. Ha Literally pull it out of Trump's pocket and shove it into uh, Ohio. Shove it into Oklahoma. You got to do that. You have to do that. Put it in steel workers' pockets. Whatever. Okay. Now, here's some criticism. Did, so now, any other thoughts about this? You... Kind of so, watched it, you said? And uh, Joe, you didn't see it at all. Uh, I didn't see it at all. That's fine. So, I mean, my criticism isn't necessarily isn't about her reporting on it. Right. My criticism is more, it felt a little bit like she cried wolf on this. Because, I, I, I think it's... How, though? Because, yeah, she had his, his tax returns. But when you, when you say people are waiting so eagerly for the tax returns that you say, like the tax returns that of recent years that are expecting to have damning information with ties with Russia. If you say, I have the tax returns, people are going to make that assumption. And it just kind of... I, it comes back to my view of the burden of responsibility on the media that don't just say don't don't cry wolf. And well, I'm, it's not crying wolf. She did. She said we've got Trump's tax returns. They do. They did. I get what you're saying, but it's also like okay, it's a television show too. I, mean, I, I still get people to watch it. I still think she's one of the best out there right now. And I'm, absolutely. It, I, well, that's what's frustrating, too, because the reaction from the left is like, oh, my God. First of all, do you not understand that it, it, regardless, it's still a big scoop. <laughs> Nobody else has them. It is an exclusive thing that she got. You know, well, David K. Johnson got it and then shared it with her and they jointly released it. You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't even when we do see the tax returns, because eventually they will come out. I don't think there's going to be anything groundbreaking. I Maybe we, there's no way to know. All the paperwork's going to be in order. Yeah, but the question is, where did, who does he owe money to? It's probably going to be a bunch of show. It's probably something where people would have to work on years to trace the shell companies where people are now. I, think it's this thing that thing. I honestly don't think it's there's that long. some good forensic accountants accountants out there. Yeah, and th but this is the point though. This is this is a trip. Yeah, trip. Well, trip, 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 trip. <laughs> but, but that's it, what's happening. It does raise the question of who did who did send these. I mean, absolutely. Like, right. What what's the motive there? Is it someone who's trying to help out the help out the cause, or is it someone who's on Trump's side trying to say, oh, I mean, there's the. Comey is having a press conference next, having a brief, going to be testifying next week. Is someone trying to distract from that? Well, that's that was the mistake I think David K. Johnson made. He mentioned on the show, he goes, Look, Trump has done stuff like this in the past where he'll release his own information to try to create some kind of like, you know, and scuffle. He says that, and then everybody just was like, Well, it was Trump then. No, that's not what he said. He said he can't rule out the possibility that it was Trump, but he doesn't know who it is. It's that's the thing. Like nah. that that's the other thing. I feel like people took what she did and ran with it in a way that is not it just wasn't what it was. But I was very impressed with the way she laid out the case. And now let's read some of the goddamn criticism. Willa Paskin, who's Slate's television critic, wrote an article, Rachel Maddow turned a scoop on Donald Trump's taxes into a cynical, self-defeating spectacle. Thanks, Slate. Yeah. 
Rachel Maddow's who you should be taking to the cleaners for her journalistic ethics. Yep. This is from the article. All right. These are just some quotes from the article that I have. Like, not quotes from the article, but the article quoted. She then launched into a long hypothetical about a particular Russian oligarch's possible relationship to Trump that touched on Florida real estate, Deutsche Bank, and Preet Bharara that Trump's tax returns, though not as it would turn out, the one she actually had, could conceivably clear up. Oh, okay. That's okay. The longer Maddow went on, ever deeper into a conspiratorial thicket, the clearer it became that whatever tax returns Maddow had, they weren't as juicy as the one she was talking about. Right, but this is the tip of the iceberg, right? Mm -hmm. She's saying, good news, it's starting. (laughs) Get ready, dummies, it's starting. If she had anything that damning, she would have shared them from the start. Well, that's not true. That's not Rachel Maddow's style. Yeah, that's a complete... She wants you to watch for the full hour. Yes, and she's good, and it builds the drama of it. It is still a television program. But it's frustrating to get that build up and not get what you want at the end. I guess, but who knows what we wanted, right? I mean, if there... If there was a smoking gun in there, she would have cocked it and shot that. Right, she would have done that we, earlier in the day. I mean, we, we want something in we want something in the tax document saying, "Oh, here's a payment from Vladimir Putin." Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. Right. Whether that happens is uh, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? That would have to be atomized, right? Huh? Yes. TV is a ratings game, but an entire episode about highly damaging tax returns is just as likely to get you great ratings as milking the possibility that you have highly damaging tax returns and less likely to get you compared to Geraldo. All right. Maddow even went so far as to hold the tax returns back until after the first commercial break, as if we were watching an episode of The Bachelor and not a matter of national importance, because we weren't, in fact, watching a matter of national importance, just a cable news show trying to set a ratings record. That's so... That's great. The crass. No, that's it's like, awesome. Is that really what you think? You think Rachel Maddow... National... <laughs> Go ahead. They think that it's uh, national importance. Rachel Maddow, national importance. That's huge. Well, I'm, she goes, oh, she's trying to set a ratings record. Like, do you think Rachel Maddow woke up on Tuesday, got that document, did the whole show, and was ratings. like, this is all I want? Come come the fuck on, man. Really? If Rachel Maddow wanted ratings records, she'd go on NBC, not MSNBC. Well, but she has autonomy there more than she would have elsewhere. I mean, she's sort of getting the slow trickle right now of just like her ratings are slowly trickling up as people realize, oh, I'm like she's doing the only one covering this. Yeah, show she's right doing now. good work. She's- that's the thing, right? Then that's the that's the problem. They're going to take one night where okay, maybe they did it wrong to try to like build interest, but I don't fault them for trying to get people to watch the show, more people than ever to watch the show. When she's been consistently, I'm telling you, I don't really want, I'll skim through Chris Hayes, I'll skim through her show, I DVR them every night, but I don't necessarily watch them, I'll skim through, okay, okay. Lately I've been watching what she's doing, because, and Chris Hayes I like as well, but she's been doing really good work. And to now, as a left-wing source, as a television critic, to critique this and be like, oh, way to go, Rachel, like, man, you're missing the fucking point. Good. Uh, let's also not forget that, that that tweet that like all the promotion is very possibly just a producer, not her, and had nothing to do with oh, her. Of course, yeah. What do you think, Rachel? Of course, right. Although yeah. it was from her blog, you know, it was from her Twitter account, Matt. But but okay. But, but it could be her official one that is yeah. that some intern handles. Okay. Right. So again, like I say, she's crying wolf, but that could just be cynical, c- cynical pr- uh, TV production. Yeah, sure. So. Right. I mean, again, it is still a it is a business, and that's okay. Trump's tax returns, whatever information they happen to contain, constitute a major scoop. Maddow's social media team, ding, ensured the highest possible rating for that scoop. 
yeah. Mm-hmm. But if ever a story should have been delivered in a stent, uh, what the hell is that word? Stentorian. Stentorian. I guess it's like. Can you Google centor- stentorian? Never heard of it. Spell that for me. S T E N T O R I A N. Okay. There you go. What is it? Like sober, you know, right? Adjective of a person's voice, loud and powerful. Oh, okay. If okay, if ever a story should have been delivered in a stentorian, fuddy-duddy, nonpartisan manner, this was it. But she did report it in those in that manner. She did. Like it was not partisan. She was just laying out the facts of a case that she believes is there. She believes there's a problem. Okay. I mean, Rachel Lano is partisan, but she used facts. But the way that she re- revealed she, this, I didn't feel was partisan. She, 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 when she's actually telling a story, she uses facts, not her bias. Yeah. And by the way, we've talked about it on this show. This is not a partisan issue. This is a American issue. Mm-hmm. This is everybody should be concerned about this. And if it pr- is proven not, then fine. Then it's not an issue. But it really fucking seems like there's something there. Definitely it does. In positioning it as a grand revelation, a vital step in comprehending Trump's corruption, it is kind of, MSNBC created an exceedingly cynical spectacle by playing into the network's loyal liberal audience's fantasy that there exists a Trump silver bullet It instead delivered Trump a positive news cycle. I don't understand that one at all. The guy pays taxes. Who knew? We all knew he paid taxes. Yes. We know. He claimed a billion-dollar loss in whatever, 1990-something. 95. That entitled so him to 18 So now you get to years. 2005. Right. 20 years. Was it 18 or 20? It, it entitled him to 18 years of losses. Where oh, he didn't okay. have to pay tax, essentially. Whatever. So, so seven years... So we um, knew that already, though. So, so a mirror is seven years of bad luck? That big a loss is 18 years of no taxes? Yeah. I, yes. I, I like that one more. It's not bad. Amidst the debacle of the American Health Care Act... First of all, it's not a debacle... It's legislation they put out that people hate, and they're going to revise it, and they're going to pass it because they have a majority. Along with more evidence that the media is aligned against him, the lesson, don't tell us you have the news. Just tell us the news. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, uh, fucking Willa Paskin. May I now read my favorite quote from the uh, Red State article? Sure. Why don't you read the Red State article? But let me just... I no, want no, to go no, to not my... Not the whole thing. Right. I just want to oh, read yes, the quote. Oh, no, yes. God forbid. Let me just go to my... Hold on. So, and then one of Hillary Clinton's people... Uh-oh. At the Hill, the Hill wrote an article. It said, ex-Clinton spokesman, focus on Trump care instead of getting distracted by two pages of Trump tax returns. And I wrote, actually, I feel like we're capable of paying attention to a few things at once. We can pay attention to multiple things. I didn't forget. I didn't watch Maddow at nine and then at 10 go, what? Trump has a health care plan? <laughs> what? I was able to think about both things because hmm. I'm not a moron. You can read me the... Um, okay, my favorite quote. Well, this is uh, Joe Cunningham at Red State wrote an article, Trump's taxes, colon, Maddow wasted 30 minutes of our time with conspiracy theories. Okay, here we go. Rachel Maddow trolled us into watching the first 30 minutes of her show so she could have a show rating spike. That's where we are right now. Yes. <laughs> okay, so this is... All right, good for you. So this is the this is what he actually wrote. Again, same way I'm doing mm-hmm. with the Slate article. This is just like stuff from the article. She opened her show, then, with a 20-minute rambling monologue on the possibilities of what Donald Trump's taxes could reveal. She tried to tie him to a certain Russian oligarch, attacked his credibility over the tax return issue, and went through a litany of theories. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Then she went to commercial. I love that they're like, how dare she? How dare she tease something before a commercial break? Uh, Is your water poison? Is your son's pacifier uh, uh, raping him? News at 11. Like, that's the, everything is always like that. Next, we'll be going over how law and order works. Yeah. Yeah, right. 
Then she went to commercial. She then came back and talked for about five more minutes on the fact that the returns were real and they weren't obtained illegally. In the 28 minutes or so before she actually talked to the tax expert who got the returns mailed to him anonymously, both the Daily Beast and the Wall Street Journal both read and analyzed what the returns said because they went to the site that posted the returns. They are trolling for ratings for their shows. They are trolling for traffic for their sites. They can show increased numbers and get more advertisers. They can get more subscriptions. But this near artificial inflation of readers and viewers is going to come tumbling down at some point. I mean, yeah. Until How she gets so? It. It's a scoop. It's an exclusive. More people watched. Yes, Donald Trump is the president and practically everything he does is news. Right. But not everything he does is a scandal, which is how the media has been treating him. It's insane under normal circumstances to try to make it out as such. But he's Donald Trump and we must treat him as the enemy. This is ridiculous. Shut the fuck up. There are daily scandals going on. Yeah, there are literally actually are. So there's about 1,600 scandals that we have to cover right now. So yes, we don't. it's not a new scandal every day. But there's a different scandal that we can cover every day. Right. Like, legitimately covered. There are things happening. So anyway, so that annoyed the shit out of me. And okay. I just wanted to put it out there. And I do want to say, good for you, Rachel. You're doing the right thing. She's doing the right thing. You're killing it, Rachel. You're killing it. <laughs> Go get him, girl. Uh, yeah. She's been great. Go Western Massachusetts where she lives. That's right. Trump care update. Ready for this shit? Mm-hmm. According to the nonpartisan CBO, Trump care, the American Health Care Act, 24 million Americans would lose coverage over the next 10 years, 52 million by 2026, whereas it would have only been 28 million in 2026 under Obamacare. It would reduce the federal. This is one of my favorite things about this. Okay. It would reduce the federal budget by $337 billion over a decade with cuts to Medicaid and Medicare, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Medicare and Obamacare tax credits disappearing. However, the Trump administration military spending increases would wipe out that savings and actually add to the budget because the military spending would go up to $540 billion. So they might save $337 billion by cutting Medicare and Obamacare tax credits, but they're going to spend $540 billion on their military, and so therefore they're going to wipe out the savings completely. Yes. So basically they're just taking money for people's health care and shifting it to bombs and guns. That's what we're doing. Yeah, so, same Mac and mine. So it's to take, take health care away from Americans so that, <clears throat> and make people throughout the world need more health care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but we don't have to take care of that. So we can't rebuild our society with other people's babies. So I know he didn't say that. This but. is how I want to frame this conversation, all right? I'm going to yeah. give you an example and you tell me how this is going to benefit this country. Okay. I also have two great Paul Ryan clips that we're going to play. Oh, I'm, I'm Boy, Paul Ryan excited. might be the most hateable person in our government. All right. So I want someone of rational mind and reason to explain this to me. A 64-year-old but... earning 26500 Now, somebody who's 64 years old, what is their job? We can look into that. Whatever. They make 26500 Right. Right before you're supposed to retire at 65, right? Yeah. A year, the the annual cost of the out of pockets would increase by fourteen thousand six hundred dollars. Wait, what? Yeah, because they can make it five to one to the amount that so, poor pe- uh, so, kids are paying. So you're making twenty six thousand five hundred. So you have all your bills and everything. Yeah, you're scraping by. You're scraping by, but now we're gonna take half your income and make it go to the out of pocket expenses for fourteen thousand six hundred, compared to. 1700 that the law is designed for it's supposed to be helping people that's why it's 1700 but now you're going to take that away and piss on them and make it $14,600 yeah 
Well, yeah, because that's free market, baby. That's how it works. You know, we don't want the government intruding. You're punishing people for being old. Sure. They, they don't look at it as punishing so much as profiting off of. I don't think they look at it as either. Well, yeah, I mean, they definitely look at it as profiting off of it. But it's like, we're not punishing someone. We're giving them a choice. That's Paul Ryan. We're giving them a choice. To pay $14,000 more? We're giving Americans a choice to pay for their health care. Yeah, because they don't have to buy health care if they did don't Did Paul want Ryan to. just become John McCain? I don't know. I can't do the Paul Ryan either. But I, I hate the way he talks, and I'm, I'm working on it. This is Paul Ryan. This is before. Both of these clips are before the CBO scored the shit. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is him talking about the backlash to the health care bill. He's pointing at a chart. The, the fatal conceit of Obamacare is that we're just going to make everybody buy our health insurance at the federal government level. Young and healthy people are going to go into the market and pay for the older, sicker people. So the young, healthy person is going to be made to buy health care, and they're going to pay for the person you know, who gets breast cancer in her 40s or who gets heart disease in his 50s. So take a look at this chart. Meanwhile, he just explained. He it. is like he's an human. Well, it's unbelievable. He's just a free market guy. It's just a number, just bro. Just a free market guy. It's just a number. They're not a human being. Oh, fuck cancer. It's it's a number. It's fundamentally not understanding how healthcare works, though. It's like so. This bitch gets cancer in her forties, and it these costs what, me more money. These healthy twenty-year-olds are supposed to pay for it? Yes, <laughs> yes. That's how it works, dummy. Of course. You subs the healthy people subsidize the sick people and on and on and on forever because the healthy people get sick eventually. And then there's other young people. Duh, dummy. Yes. I, I just have the perfect quote to some of how, uh, Paul, how I feel about Paul Ryan. Okay. From uh, John Kenneth Galbraith. The modern conservative is engaged in one of man's oldest exercises in moral philosophy. That is the search for a superior justification for selfishness. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Mm. That's Ayn Rand. They're, they're all these Ayn Randian dummies that... It's yeah, that that sums up what's going. That sums up so much about the Republican uh, Party. hundred percent. It's it it it's all theoretical, but in practicality, it's just you're just justifying being selfish. The red slice here are what I would call people with pre-existing conditions, people who have real health care problems. The blue is the rest of the people in I'm the sorry. individual market. That's the market where people don't he get health insurance in their health jobs. Problems? They buy yeah, he's saying people who are sick, pre-existing oh, conditions. Oh, oh. Pre-existing conditions. People who have real health care problems. The blue is the rest. No, the no. See, it's, it's so funny to hear their language. They're so, they don't have health care problems. They have health problems. Mm -hmm. This is a health care problem that you're creating for them. Yes. People in the individual market. That's the market where people don't get health insurance at their jobs, where they buy it themselves. The whole idea of Obamacare is the people on the blue side pay for the people on the red side. The people who are healthy pay for the people who are sick. It's not working, and that's why it's in a death spiral. <laughs> no, death that's spiral. how it is going to work. That is how it is only going to work. That's the only way health insurance is going to work. The healthy people pay for the sick people. Well, because the sick people aren't going to be able to pay for themselves. No, and because healthy people become sick eventually. That's a, It's just a cycle. It's just how it works. Like, take care of other people. My plan is to live forever. So far, so good. I'm working on it too, man. We can compare notes. Also, I stole that one from Stephen Wright, but... Oh, okay. This is uh, Paul Ryan on Face the Nation. And this one, hateable. Like the other one was hateable too, but this one's really hateable. Day or Tuesday. Well before we go He's to the He's talking floor. about the CBO scoring. Oh, okay. Come out on Tuesday, which came out. We already talked about it, but it doesn't matter. Well before we go to the floor, we'll have the score... The one thing I'm certain will happen is CBO will say, well, gosh, not as many people will get coverage. You know why? Because this isn't a government mandate. This is not the government makes you buy what we say you should buy, and therefore the government thinks you're all going to buy it. So there's no way you can, you can compete 
with on paper a government mandate with coverage. What we are trying to <laughs> listen, there is no way we're going to be able to cover everybody if we're going to try to not cover everybody. That's basically how what he's saying. I have a question. What? How do I get Paul Ryan's health insurance? I want exactly what he has. Run, run get into Congress. No, but but everyone should be entitled to the same health care as he has. Well, or, no, everybody should just be entitled to the same good health care, like yeah, Medicare, yeah. right? I mean, everyone should just have health, have coverage. Yeah, everyone. Oh, you're sick. Here, come here. You can get coverage. I just you can, feel get, you can get cured. Society has a moral obligation to make sure people aren't dying in the streets. Absolutely. Well, Trump said that. Trump is like, we have it's ridiculous. People are dying in the street. Okay. Trump, Trump said everyone's going to be covered. Right. Are they? No. It seems, according to Paul Ryan, there's no, no, that's ridiculous. Achieve here is bringing down the cost of care, bringing down the cost of insurance, not through government mandates and monopolies, but by having more choice and competition. And uh, by lowering the cost of health care, you improve cost. the access to health care. And by having the things that we're talking about tax credits, risk pools, health savings accounts, you dramatically increase the access to health care, but we're going to make an American do what they don't want to do. You like get, be able to pay for their leukemia. I mean, we're not going to force anybody to be able to pay for leukemia. That's silly. If they have access to health care and they want to pay, they can, but we're not going to make them. You fuck. You garbage person, right? What kind of bullshit-ass argument is that? We're not going to make you pay for your liver cancer. I mean... How that's we, authoritarian and we're not going to make insurance companies pay for them so oh, right. you, you have this coverage but no oh, no you have access you, you, you don't you have, have access to, you have access to, an, to a health insurance but if you get too expensive they're just allowed to drop you right that's why this has to be this that's why healthcare has to be government well run. no and they, you know what and that's the thing they can't drop them now there are no there's no caps which used to be a thing that Obamacare got rid of. They can't do away with lifetime caps. So now they're going to make the health insurance companies have people, lifetime caps. Yeah, you're, no, no, no. They're going to make the health insurance companies not cap your lifetime coverage. You're going to pay probably more for it because of that fact. But they're not going to create bigger risk pools so people can share the expense. Huh. They're, they're, it's illogical what they're doing. Get it if you want it. Oh. That's freedom. How yeah. many people? <laughs> That's freedom. Yeah, get it if you want it. That's freedom. Um. I don't want it, but uh, my lungs are rotting out, and I need it. And I'm in pain. Okay, well, you can find a way to pay for it with our tax credits. Well, yeah, but it's not enough. It's not enough. Uh, I'm going to go bankrupt. That's your right as an American. If, oh, if your lungs, thank are you. If your lungs are simpleton. If your lungs are rotting out, just get a new pair on the free market. It's exactly capitalism. right. Just right. go buy a new pair of lungs. Exactly right. The free market has this whole thing solved. Wait, but I can't afford new lungs. Well, then you're going to be able to afford a funeral. I bet. Save that oh. money. Well, what are they selling oh. you? What are they telling you? This crematorium is privately owned and cheaper than a ce than a cemetery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, government run cemetery. What are you <laughs> going to go to Arlington? <laughs> people are going to lose coverage under this new. I can't answer that question. It's up to people. He, he, here's the premise <laughs> of your question. Right, he, he can't <laughs> answer the question. Choose not to buy it. Yeah. So if people choose not to buy it, then of course they're going to lose coverage. But I don't know. I think everybody's going to buy it. Are you? Everyone's going to be covered. What kind of game is this little prick playing? Like, he is a prick. That's what this guy is. I fucking... Get out of here with this shit. It's crazy. And nobody's saying Obamacare is perfect. But it's at least a system. Yes. That could be fixed. But... And improved. But and eventually get us to a single-payer system. What logical people are saying is that they... The, the, the way it's broken is that it's not, it's not government enough. It's not right. universal. It's, right. Like, that's what right. People, exactly. You're right. Like the people who actually understand how this works. Obamacare was a Republican plan to begin with. Let's not well, forget right. that. Yeah. But and meanwhile, the people that are going to get affected most by this are people that voted for Trump. Yes. Oh, 
So good. They don't even know that's coming yet. Some people do. Definitely. Chris Hayes did a thing with Bernie Sanders. They were in uh, West Virginia. And they had a whole thing with coal miners. They did like a town hall, which is uh-huh. actually really great. That's the thing. Like w- w- MSNBC is doing terrific coverage right now. Um, and they're talking to these people who voted for Trump, who are coal miners. I mean, literally people who are coal miners. And they're the one guy is like, and a lot of people agree with him, but he, he was talking and he goes, mm-hmm. yeah, I think everybody should be covered. Of course. Everybody should have health insurance. He's like, if this stuff goes through, we're going to lose insurance. We're not going to be able, we're going to die. People mm-hmm. are going to die because of this. Your black lung payments? Right. Bye-bye. Your good riddance. Yeah. I mean. No, that's the real deal. Yeah. Are you going to stop mandating people buy health insurance? People are going to do what they want to do with their lives because we believe in individual freedom in this country. So the question is, are we providing a system where people have access to health insurance if they choose to do so? And the answer is yes. Oh, thank you. What a hero you are. So so that's so nice of him. That that sentence wants me to go back to the uh like the article that Aaron said at the beginning where it's one of those words freedom. Yeah. What how does how is having health insurance any less free? That's a word you that you throw around because oh, freedom, it's good. Therefore, they're trying to take away free. You're saying nothing. Yeah, you have the he freedom said, to starve. You have the freedom yeah. to die in this okay, country. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you thank health you. insurance so you're you have more freedom to do with your do with your life as you will for longer. Right. We're giving you more freedom. Well, you look, you go, you could walk down Broadway here and you could see homeless people, a number of them that I see all the time. Do they have the freedom to buy health care? Can they buy health care? No. No. They have, the, so, they have the freedom to do all sorts of things. So I'd rather they not have the freedom to buy health care, but they are forced to have health care. You know what I mean? Like, let's cover them. Let, let's stop calling it forced to buy. Let's call it. We're giving them yeah, health care. You have. You, you get health care. Have. You have health care. It's not about the freedom to choose. It's about, okay, you have it. Now live your life. Well, because be why would happy. you choose not to have it? Because you're going to get it when you need it. That's the only thing they're... That's what they're leaving out of the argument. Nobody who's sick is going to be like, <coughs> you know what? <coughs> I'm going to wait a couple of weeks. No, because <laughs> you're going to get it when you're sick and they can't prevent... You have to do it, right? They have to yeah. cover you. You pay a 30% surcharge. So you might choose not to have it when you're not sick. But no one's going to have that money for that 30% surcharge. Well, they'll find a way, but they might go bankrupt or broke to get that coverage, and then they have to pay more out of pocket. It's a crazy, dumb system. Simple solution. Everybody gets health care. Period. There is no alternative. This is not a for-profit system. I don't want Paul Ryan, the idiot, running the system. I don't want a lot of Democrats who are idiots running this. I don't want, I just want everybody to have health care. Don't create something with lawyers and with lobbyists and with health insurance companies. <laughs> Bye. Let's just have everybody covered. I go to the hospital. I go, hi, I'm an American citizen. They go, oh, great. What's the matter? I go, I don't know. My tonsils. Oh, we'll take them out. Perfect. No, Who's nice. paying for this? Government is. See you next year. Whatever. You know, whatever it is. That's how it works. That's how it works. And you know what it costs? What it actually costs. You don't have a middleman involved. That's it. And the government can negotiate prices. Right. Well, and you can pay doctors. People go, well, nobody's going to become doctors if they're not getting paid. Uh, Pay doctors a salary, a million dollars a year salary. We could do that. That could be part of the system. Probably less than that. If 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 you're getting paid $300,000 a year and you're not living in New York City. You can live a pretty goddamn well, whatever, good life. but it could be whatever. Doctors get paid X amount. Teachers get paid X amount. We can make that a very high salary. Whatever it's going to be worth it for them to do it. That's what we can do. And then they 
take care of people. That's yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, but if you're doing that, then <gasps> you're taking away all the free market, especially with the. It's not. There shouldn't be a more. No, you're not taking away the free market. But uh, you're what you're doing is you're taking a profit motive out of something that everybody is going to need at a certain point. And shouldn't and be there could still be different anyway. equipments and different things that people are gonna and a right pro- a profit yeah. motive out of something that if left if left to the free market. It's in their be- the free market's interest to hurt society. That should not be left to the free market. Of course, you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Anything right. long, anything that is in the, to, you can make a profit at the expense of society. Government should handle. I agree. It's that simple. Agreed. And nobody's saying government's perfect, but we control government theoretically. We do not control Aetna. I have nothing to do with them. Well, maybe you should buy stock in them so you can control them. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'd have to buy quite a bit of stock, I feel like. Yeah, you might, you, you can show up at the meeting, right? Yeah. At the annual yeah. stockbrokers meet or like yeah. I think the stockholders meeting or shareholders. Um, all right. Good conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh fuck you, Trump care. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, I mean they're they're gonna it's this is gonna, gonna be a whole this, yeah, this is gonna well it will eventually, but this is gonna be a whole thing. Republicans aren't thrilled with it. You got this idiot Paul Ryan out there defending something that's indefensible, it's stupid. Uh okay. This is here's what we got. Should we? Yeah, we might as well do the rest of it, right? I mean, I was going to say maybe should we cut something out? We're fine. No, no cutting out anything. So we got this Uber lawyer. Yeah. Which we're going to play just a few clips from this video. This video really annoyed me. It's this guy, Jesse Bright, who's a lawyer who also drives an Uber for, I would assume, to pay down his student debt or something. I'm just guessing, but I would assume he's he's got some expenses. Uh, Versus a bunch of cops that pull him over. He's got a passenger. And it was because of the passenger doing something. So they pull him over. I'll play a couple of clips here because it's annoying. I don't like the tone the cops take. It's like, what? We'll play it. But Mm -hmm. why are these cops? What is with this fucking attitude that the cops have? I understand people having the attitude, but what is with the cops doing it? It's like they have this fucking sarcastic sort of like, oh, yeah, you you like, oh, we're going to play it. Uh, Then we're going to go over this guy, Alfredo Polici who uh, took a selfie with Kellyanne Conway. No, I've never heard of him. A- a- am I supposed to know who that is? No, but we're going to talk about him in a minute because okay. I found what he did irritating, like really irritating. Uh, and then we'll close out with a quick Trump odds. Are you going to protect Kellyanne? Kellyanne? <laughs> Kellyanne Conway? Yes. Uh, You're going to protect her? Yeah, kind of, to yeah. Side? Yeah, I'm going to come to the defense of a fellow armor? human being. Yes, I'm a wh- I'm white knight in Kellyanne Conway. Yes. Uh, all right. This is the Uber lawyer video. We're going to play four clips from it. Here we go. So I'm driving Uber. And uh, my passenger's getting arrested. Hey, Bob, turn that off, okay? No, I'll keep recording. Okay. <laughs> so now here it begins. So yep. he's filming this, and then the cop goes, hey, bud, turn it off, right? And he goes, no. Okay, so here we go. Uh, my passenger's getting arrested. Oh, he said passenger the way you said Kellyon. Is that on. interesting? Hey, Bob, turn that off, okay? No, I'll keep recording. Thank you. Yeah. It's my right. Don't record me. You got me? I, I will look. You're a police officer on duty. I can record you. And if you come to this side of the vehicle, I can keep really recording long. you. Turn it off. I can keep turn recording you. Turn it off. I'm taking you. For recording you, I'm yes. sitting in my car I'm holding my phone. Take it off. Or I'm going to take you. Turn it off. Or I'm going to take you to jail. It's complete, 100% legal for him to be doing this. The cop is being an inciting cocksucker, and 
Here's the problem. Uh-huh. He's trying to strong arm someone. The problem is this guy's a lawyer, so he knows yeah. that he doesn't have to turn it off. But maybe he would intimidate you or me or Matt. Oh, that phone's off. Right, but it doesn't have to be. What, what is the law? What do you, uh, you oh, he goes to open the guy's car. He goes, step out of the car. For what? For doing what? You can't get arrested for disrespect, motherfucker. What are you arresting me for? I'm sitting here in my car. I'm just recording in case anything happens. I'm surrounded by five police officers. You're being a jerk. I'm scared right now. I'm not being a jerk. I wanna, <laughs> That's I'm, my favorite thing. You're being a you're jerk. You're being a jerk. Are you fucking crazy? This dude is a cop yeah. with a gun. He's like, you're being a jerk. You're being a you're jerk. You're being mean, fucker. Okay. Are you nuts, bro? What is wrong with you? I'll skip that. What are you, uh, you're, what are you arresting me for? I'm sitting here in my car. I'm just recording in case anything happens. I'm surrounded by five police officers. You're being a jerk. I'm scared right now. I'm not being a jerk. Yeah. I wanna, I'm want i recording it in case anything happens. Well, you better hope we don't punch something in your car, okay? They're not searching my car. Well, I'm going to search your car. You're not searching my car. <laughs> no, nope, they're going to get the dogs. Bring the canines. I don't care, man. Okay. I, okay. I know my rights. Hey, I hope so. I know, I know what the law is. I know the law. I'm an attorney, so I would hope I know the law. And an Uber driver? And Here, man. And an Uber driver. Like, what is the the cop? Why is the cop this guy? Because you're not assuming the Uber driver is a lawyer. Let's be honest. This guy gets pulled over. Uh-huh. It's not his. They're not pulling him over for him. They're pulling him over for the guy, the passenger. So why is the cop automatically taking a thing and be like, oh, yeah? Oh, really? What's your fucking problem, dummy? That really irritates the shit out of me hearing that tone. Ugh, it fucking grates on my nerves. And also, he's probably in debt. Law school's expensive. Yeah. So he drives a fucking Uber a couple of you know, who who knows why? Who knows why? Maybe he likes driving a car. He may can make money doing it. Who know you know, that's uh-huh. what he does. Do you want my bar card? So now we'll skip ahead to the next thing. Meanwhile, now he's filming outside the car. The cops are like uh, patting down his passenger. They're uh-huh. trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. We skip ahead uh, just a little bit. All right, here we go. Sir, can you tell me what this new law is that I'm not allowed to record? <laughs> I'm sorry? He, he no, said a different it. cop. Okay. Who, by the way, has like a little smile the whole time, like a little smirk of being like, this guy's annoying, but my cop buddy is an asshole. You know what I mean? Like right, so he knows his, his kind his, of his, yeah right. <laughs> There's a law I'm not allowed to record the police. I just wanted to know what that new law is. Well, you said you were attorney, correct? I am. I've never heard of this law that you're not allowed to record the police anymore. It must be brand new. Okay, well, they just recently passed it. So. Re- like super recently? Seems like a strange law. Like last night. Right. Meanwhile, the cops are just lying. <laughs> They're just <laughs> lying. There was no law passed, but they can't go. Yeah, he was being a dick. Because now that's you know now they've gotten themselves into a situation where they have to. It's like Trump with North Korea. We're gonna put missiles there. Okay, we're gonna blow up South Korea. Okay, well we're gonna blow you up more. You're not going to. But he can't, now you've gotten yourself on a path where you can't stop. You can't say otherwise. So now they have to just stick with this nonsense. It's so fucking irritating to watch. It really irritates the shit out of me. Man. I showed him my way bill. I really am just driving Uber for some extra money. I don't know where these people are going to and from. Really about eight. Are these his? From Aaron? Probably. They're not mine. I do mostly. I have nothing in my car. There's no drugs. There's no alcohol. I didn't see this. 
Like, well, the other officer told me he's taking me to jail, so. <laughs> no, your friend said that. Okay. My friend? I you mean, assume. You mean the sergeant? Oh. oh, you mean the sergeant? The amount of disrespect. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's I was a goddamn about, sergeant. Oh, I, yes, I didn't resp- I didn't uh, recognize him as the sergeant. My, oh. my, my bad. Or was he just clarifying that he's not friends with the sergeant? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yes, the guy's not- just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see this guy. He's a total asshole. Right. Your friend, somebody. Okay. This yours or his? Probably his. Nothing is okay. and that's in here is mine. That's sitting right there. Okay. Okay, so that's another you know interaction. Now this is the final one. This is with another cop who I guess is like sort of he strikes me as like being the one in charge as opposed to the uh, the buddy who's like, oh really, you're a lawyer. Now listen to the tone of this. That is all. Nothing ends up happening. By the way, no. they find nothing on either one of them. They're fine. They get they get to leave. Listen to the tone of this cop. He's sounds nice, but the, he asks a question in a way where I'm like. What are you trying to do? You're trying to trip him up, dummy. Right. Yeah. How long have you been an Uber driver? Mr. St. Pierre. A year and a half, two years yeah. maybe. That's, that is, have you been stopped a lot? It's probably why you, you've been stopped because you're an Uber driver, right? Because there's a lot of history on the vehicle. It's that. Uh, you've been stopped a lot. Is that probably why, right? Because there's like a lot of history on the vehicle. There's no history on the vehicle. There's no history on the vehicle. But he's trying to get that. him to... The, Okay, well, we do know because listen. On this vehicle, there's history? Not that I know of. Okay. He is not getting stopped. They're lying. That's what I'm saying. They're just making up a story. Because they're waiting for him to be like, yeah, I get, like, admit something that is not, you know what I mean? They're just looking for something. Hmm. What is that? Fuck off. You are supposed to be a representative of, for this guy, not the other way around, with your bullshit. All right. Well, here's your license. We're going to wait for, uh, canine because i don't know if he might have dumped something on the seat and you don't want us to look so we're just going to have canine come out and smell if they do an indication if not then you'll be on your way okay sir. okay i mean if he threw something under the seat it still has nothing to do with me like oh. okay, but it's in your i'm not saying it has anything to do with you sir i i've never said that did i no i, was, I, asked you I feel like questions. something's gonna be under the car and you're gonna say i'm the driver it's my vehicle i'm responsible negative sir i've never said that to you okay okay can you understand my frustration? I'm sure just I at do. work. I should. I, I, I absolutely do. All right. Your registration. Just hold on a minute, okay? Thanks, man. All right. Then that's really it for the video. Yeah, there's some other bullshit, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. about it. What the fuck? Does that not irritate you, too? I guess when I saw when I saw it, I just sort of always think, like, the am I being detained videos where it's, like, the guy's being the asshole, but this time it's, yeah, the cop is just being... It's, well, but the the guy being detained can be an asshole. He's yeah. perfectly entitled to be an asshole. And he's within his rights. He, like, it's, yeah, it's cops can be dicks. Well, they are. It seems yes. like that's the that's like what is that? What the fuck is that about? I mean, it used to be. Yeah, well, you've been you're an Uber driver for a while. Probably got a lot of hits on the car, right? I mean, back in the Andy what? back in the Andy Griffith show days, when it was like a, a cop was a, the good community, the good guy upholding the community and keeping people safe. Now it's the yeah, war that's on a television show. I'm, it's not a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks. But I'm just saying, it was that attitude. Oh, oh, the cop is there to help us. Now, ever mm-hmm. since the war on drugs, it's the cop is there as an adversary. And that's, it all stems from, I think it all stems from really the war on drugs. And you, you're trying, the decisions from the top are really to try to keep certain people down and make the police fight against the, right. the people. Well, and that's a white lawyer. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not some like uh, kid from whatever, Chicago, that they pull over because they probably would have shot him. Well, it, and yes. Aww. No, but they would. But you know what I mean? It's like that, that he got hassled 
And he's a lawyer, so he knew what was going on, and he, there was nothing happening there, so he was able to hold his own. But man, he was nervous for sure. I got nervous watching it the first time. I was like, mm-hmm. I know nothing happened. Let's I'm like, go it's so ang- so much anxiety. Think about a kid who has something to lose, or maybe does have something on him. He has a fucking dime bag or whatever. You know, that's fucking scary. And that shit can escalate so quickly because they have this, you know, uh, I can't think of the word. Like they're tr- they're. Uh, they're prodding. They're trying. Yeah, to... they're prodding. You know, whatever. I can't think of the word. They're, they're right. waiting for you to slip up. And yeah, that, and that's like don't... antagonizing. They're antagonizing. Yeah. Him. Don't don't say more. Don't never. Whenever a cop is talking to you, never say more than he asks. Never answer yeah. more unless you're fucking dead sure, like that guy, because he obviously knew what the fuck was going Remember on. Remember right? your rights. You have no obligation to say anything. Right. They were not. Go- they're not there to help you. They're only there to try to get information to help their staff. Right. To Isn't help that sick? Them get the prosecution. It's fucking sick. Yeah, so just be careful what you say around cops. Right, and film it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Everyone, don't film have to... cops. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> they should have body cameras on, too. Um. Okay, so now you're ready for this? This yes. fucking Alfredo Polici, who I didn't know shit about until this week, but I don't like him. Uh, here we go. And he wrote an article in the Huffington Post. I saw about it the other day. I watched the video. And I go, what a fucking little cunt this guy is. And then he wrote an article in the Huffington Post Acting like he's some savior. Meanwhile, I got some stats about his Twitter following, uh, which we'll read in a second. Ooh. Uh, he ran into Kellyanne Conway, who we've talked about on the show. Kellyanne Conway, not a great representative. Not somebody that uh, ever knows what's going on or, or tells the truth, says a lot of bullshit. But still a human being, right? Yes. Even Trump. He's a he's a human being who uh, I feel I, sorry for in some ways. I, right? qu- I question that sometimes. But well, whatever. Okay, well, but you know I'll, what I mean? I'll allow it. Okay, but generally... I don't hate anybody. I, I okay. So, mm-hmm. except for police, you know. I guess I said I hate him because he's a little cut. But okay. I, but I don't hate him. You know what I mean. But I don't like what he did here. This is shitty. So let's play this. He meets Kellyanne Conway and he goes, "Hey, can I take a picture with you?" And she goes, "Okay." Yeah. Now they're taking the picture. They're both smiling at the camera. It's like selfie style. And this is how it goes. I'm gonna let it play through twice because it's only seven seconds. Say, I'm ruining America. No. All right. Really brave saying that. Thank you. Say I'm ruining America. No. All right. Really brave saying that. Thank you. Meanwhile, he made his point. Well, okay. Two things about it. First of all, impressed by Kellyanne Conway, she didn't say it, and she kept smiling, which was smart because you don't want a weird picture. (laughs) Right? She looks good in the picture, still smiling. She didn't like go "Uh," and make a face. Okay. He's a little dick bag. It makes me, it makes me go. I feel bad for Kellyanne Conway, which is not what he wants, right? He yeah. wants me to go. Good for you, brave you gotta, soldier. Yeah, you gotta. She's a per like you, fucking little piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. She are. was nice enough. She's not a piece of shit. I mean, for her, not for this, not for this interaction. I still think she's a piece of shit. I don't think she's a piece of shit. I think she's doing the wrong thing. I think she's on the wrong side here. I think she's doing, uh, you know, not good work. But okay, at the end of the day, she's a mom. She's a fucking person. It's like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go and try to like make somebody feel bad. And You're, you're a garbage person. And that's... Hey, could, garbage people do good work in our uh, foundation They're of society. Valuable civic duty, yeah. Um, like, would we be looking at it the same way? Like, even the people that yelled at Ivanka on the, private, on the plane. She's flying coach or whatever with mm-hmm. her husband and the kids. And they're yelling at her. It's like, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because could you imagine if somebody did this with like 
Michelle Obama or oh. one of the kids or something like that and goes, say you're garbage, you know, whatever, they, whatever they're going to say. You're going to think that that was a brave move. No. And this isn't a brave movie there. Now, even making. So I saw that. I go, all right, maybe I'll bring it up on the show. Then I see he wrote an article on Huffington Post. And so I'm like, well, this is what was it about? Alfredo Polici, George Washington University law school graduate and advocate is how they uh, credited him on the Huffington Post. Wrote an article. My viral Kellyanne Conway selfie was not an empty prank. It was a statement. Okay, grandiose idiot. This is what he wrote. <laughs> I took a stand with a selfie. As an everyday American, can I tell you something? Any person that refers to himself as an everyday American, not an everyday American. <laughs> as an everyday American, I don't typically find myself in the presence of presidential advisors. When I saw Kellyanne Conway at a local restaurant, I knew I had to do something to capture attention. That even makes it, first of all, you didn't have to do anything to capture attention, number one, grandiose mm-hmm. moron. Second of all, it's not at, like some political thing. It's at a restaurant. So it's like a personal Oh, that's a good point. But she's there for dinner. She's not at a function. She's nice enough to take the picture with you. And this is what you do. You, you behave like a little fuck. In a normal political climate, listen to the justifications for all this shit. In a normal political climate, it wouldn't cross my mind to approach an off-the-clock advisor to the president and express disapproval of their actions in the manner that I did. But as many have said, this is not normal. Well, oh, okay. okay. So Trump's presidency is not normal. We shouldn't normalize it. So reaction to that is you should be more extreme and more of a, like, come on, man. Come on. Grandiose. How did we get to this place with people like you, <laughs> with people like you who are not behaving correctly? My act was an expression of frustration and condemnation. Oh, was it? Or was it just an excuse to try to get people to follow you on Twitter and give you likes? He likes likes. Everybody tr- wants likes. The Trump team is aimed to isolate themselves from accountability and leave us feeling hopeless. My act was an attempt to cut through this hopelessness and make a direct statement to one of the perpetrators responsible for bringing us to this point. By making her feel shitty. Yeah. They are the ones leaving us with no choice but to communicate our dissatisfaction in unorthodox ways. That's not true. You can protest all you want. Those are completely orthodox ways. Mm-hmm. You can write a real article. You can do Aww. any number of things. I am proud that, without the vulgarity and hatred promoted by the Trump team, I seized a rare opportunity to convey a message of disapproval directly to a key advisor who's played a role in shaping this dark political climate. And what did you do? You didn't help shape that by doing this? That's a person. You you went up to a person, a woman, and you go, say you're ruining the world. Like, it's imba- Like what are you doing? You're trying to humiliate a woman? Yes. And, why don't I say that's it like exactly- that? I was going to ask. I guess each the word woman. <laughs> that was, that's like- a woman? Uh, no, you know what I mean? It's like, what are you doing? You're, you're, in, you're embarrassing. You're embarrassing. In doing so, I chose a method that would not only capture attention, but also the attention of others. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so Who feels silenced to demonstrate that we have many ways of speaking up. Yeah, you really stood up for uh, you know the silenced minority. This, sure. This is about his ego. This is about him getting his name out there. And look what I did. Look at of how. Course. Look at how cool I am. Right. As I walked away, Miss Conway told me that I must feel brave for doing what I did. If I had the chance to respond to her in person, I'd say that I feel more heartbroken than brave. Ah. Uh, Heartbroken that the Trump team, of which she is a member, has attempted to silence us. Yes, this white law school graduate has been silenced. Like, do you understand? Yes. Oh, it must be very difficult for you, Whitey. It must be real tough. We must use any legal, including provocative means possible, to stand up and cut through their attempts to take away our voice. Once again, yes, the white law school graduate, his voice is is certainly not there. Certainly not. By the way... If you want to talk to him, 
It's at Mr. Fredo P on Twitter, and he has 154 followers on Twitter. No shit. They linked his Twitter to wait, this article. Wait, what? 154. 154. Yeah. I have more followers than he does? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. I have like 10 <laughs> times the followers this guy has. Through work. It took a while to get that amount of yes. followers from doing a lot of stuff. This guy's Twitter was linked to this Huffington Post account. And it's not gone up. 154 followers. <laughs> Great job, buddy. Yeah, you really... Oof, you You're cut killing through, it with that selfie. Yeah, you cut through the bullshit and really... Uh, Everyone stands with you there, buddy. Yeah, uh, all 154 people. What a loser. <laughs> what a loser. It's embarrassing. Don't do shit like that. It's stupid. It's just shitty. It's just a shitty thing to do. All right. I just wanted to put that out there because it's like, get the fuck out of here. And I don't want that person to somehow in any way be construed to be representing me or As my the everyday views. American. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Which, by the way, I just want to point out that being the everyday American that I am, uh-huh. I wouldn't be in a situation anywhere near Kellyanne Conway, even at a restaurant. Because well, no, you might be if you were in Washington, D.C. and you go to a restaurant. Of course. I mean, dude, okay, I've been fine. at Joey. We- That's true. There's a diner. Right here on on Broadway. Who walked in? Who walked in? Well, I went in to get food, and it was Kay, uh, what's her face, uh, Jennifer Hudson and her husband. Oh my god, that's awesome! It's like, yeah, okay, people are around. That's true. You can run into people. It's not that crazy. I run into Rangers occasionally. You know, there's fucking celebrities around if you're in a city. New York, especially New York poli- Rangers, not Park Rangers. New York Rangers. Well, I run into <laughs> Park Rangers too. They're doing God's work as well. But yeah, I mean, they're in Washington D.C. Kelly and Conway eats dinner. But that's also the point, right? It's like it's probably a nice restaurant. <laughs> if this mm. this bastard whose whose voice was silenced, yeah, okay, okay. Trump odds and ends, and let's get the fuck out of here. Sound good? Yes, sounds good. Here's a video <laughs> of House Intel Chair Devin Nunes, who's a Republican from California, and Adam Schiff, who's a Democrat from California, talking about the fact that Donald Trump has not been wiretapped. Okay, these people are on the Intelligence Committee. This is them. The other day, Devin Nunez first, the Republican. I don't think there was an actual tap of Trump Tower. I wanted. I don't think there was an actual tap of Trump Tower. I wanted. I don't think there was an actual tap of Trump Tower. I don't think there was an actual. That's gonna be a song of Trump Tower. Remix. There wasn't an actual tap of Trump Tower. It's a lot of tease. That's weird. That's a that. Okay, so that so Donald Trump, the President of the United States, Uh tweeted a bunch of random nonsense at six thirty-five in the morning on a Saturday. And that's not true. None of it's true. Hmm. Oh, okay. I don't think there was an actual tap of Trump Tower. I want to uh, join in saying that uh, to date, uh, I've seen no evidence uh, that uh, supports the claim that President Trump made that his predecessor uh, had wiretapped uh, he and his associates at Trump Tower. It deeply concerns me uh, that the president would make such an accusation without basis. uh, Yeah, it really should. It should concern everybody. Everybody should be concerned by that. That he would make any claim that the former president wiretapped him completely baseless. Mm-hmm. That should be very disconcerting. One chair uh, is is that is that the you know President Obama wouldn't physically go over and wiretap uh, Trump Tower. So now you have to decide, as I mentioned to you last week, are you going to take the, the tweets literally? And if you are, then- well, yes, I am going to take them literally. Yeah. Yep, I am. If you're going to take the president literally, then you're being a silly goose is essentially what his point is. You, you have he to didn't, he didn't, his tweet didn't imply that Obama himself wiretapped Trump Tower. Hmm. Fuck not. That's not obviously what it is. So like, the, I, I think I mentioned it on the show. Uh, you, you it. 
was on after Trump's congressional speech. And Chris Matthews asked him something, or as Brian Williams asked him something, or I don't even know, whatever. Somebody asked something. And he goes, well, you know, as I've said before, I don't uh, take what Trump says the same way as I take it what anybody else says. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. Well, that makes it a lot easier then, doesn't it? If you don't have to take anything the guy says the way you'd assume anybody else means it. Fuck off. Fuck you. Fuck Devin Nunez. Fuck Trump. Are you crazy? You have to take him. And what he said, he, first of all, he's the most powerful person in the Western world, maybe in Not the entire world. In the entire world. Well, there's some Saudi royalty. Putin good. seems to be po- yeah, uh, pretty powerful bad. right now, yeah. pulling the strings. Uh, but it, but you understand, yeah. oh, okay, oh, yeah, 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 we shouldn't take him literally, right? That's crazy. Why would we take the fucking most powerful person literally? Sure, that's, yeah. And clearly the president was wrong, but if you're not going to take the... <laughs> if you're going to take what he said seriously and literally, then yes, he's wrong. But if you're not going to, then we can make any kinds of... We can tie ourselves in pretzels if we're, defending him. If we're talking metaphysically and right. all these... Right. Spiritually, I don't really know what he meant by it. The tweets literally, and if, if there's a concern that the president uh, has about uh, other people, other surveillance activities... No, uh, no, that's not what he said. He said, just found out Obama wiretapped Trump Tower. That doesn't mean, well, what he meant was there might be an ongoing investigation into the Russian allegations, so there might be some... That's not what fucking happened. F word. Looking at him or his We should be able... I don't want to see anybody get hit, like hurt, violence, nothing. Definitely not. But wouldn't it be great if there was just a... No, no, don't do it. No, no, no. No, It's totally fine. No. If there was an official congressional pie thrower... (laughs) <laughs> who would sit in front of him and when he says stuff like that, just go and throw a pie in his face because that's what deserves to happen right now. Nothing else. Shouldn't hurt. It should just be a nice pie, in the pie right in the face. Every single congressman is just constantly sitting on a dunk tank. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, sure. If, sure. You, if you say something like that, you get dunked. Yeah, and now Nora O'Donnell is going to throw a goddamn uh, a softball at the dunk tank because you said something that was not true. Your pants are all wet. It'd be so funny. It's uh, either appropriately or inappropriately. We want to find we want to find that out. I do think it's incumbent uh, if we get to March 20th and we have the testimony. I think we all expect from the director that there was no substance to the accusation that Barack Obama illegally wiretapped uh, Trump Tower. That the president explain himself. I no, think- do you know what we should do? We should just get rid of him. If if it, if it gets to that day and they go, yeah, that was completely baseless. You just made some. I mean, like out of whole cloth, just completely accused the former president of uh, wiretapping you, which is criminal. What's the punch? Shouldn't there be more than just like, you better explain yourself, sir? Because it was not a tweet. It doesn't to. matter. No, it does matter. It does matter. You it's what he said. To scream- me, Twitter is a press conference. Or whatever. It's a statement. Everybody uses it that way. Let's stop pretending that somehow Twitter is this like, oh, he's tweeting. No, that is officially a statement he is making. And if we're not supposed to take it seriously, then nothing coming out of his Twitter. You know what I mean? It's Mm. completely irrelevant. But it's not irrelevant. It's where you make statements. Celebrities go on there and go, hey, I apologize for this. Or, hey, I had this statement to make. And they use Instagram the same way. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. And when you're the fucking president... Everything you say is taken into account. Know that. Okay? It's a statement. There are, uh, from a national security perspective, uh, great concerns if the president is willing to state things like that without uh, any basis. Uh, because right. the country needs to be able to rely on him. Um, well, that ship particularly is Particularly if we have a crisis uh, that is an external crisis, as every president does uh, within their term of office.
Oh, but you know what he's kind of alluding to there? When we get attacked, because we're going to, because this guy's a fucking moron, mm-hmm. he's going to lie. And we're going to have to take his word for it because we're going to rah-rah America around him. And that's a real dangerous situation. Don't tr- Don't take anyone's word for it. Look at the actions, not the words. Well, sometimes you got to look at the words. You have to look at the words sometimes. Sometimes people make statements. You got to fucking take their words seriously and their action. Take the whole person into account. You, you have to earn that trust. Certain people I just don't trust. No. Well, and you shouldn't. This, I mean, he lie. It's a fucking lie. It is a bald faced lie. EPA head Scott Pruitt doesn't acknowledge CO2, a, hard, a heat trapping uh, gas, contributes to climate change. Here's him saying that. No, I think that, that measuring with precision uh, human activity on the climate is something very challenging to do, and there's tre- tremendous disagreement about the, the degree of impact. Uh, so, so, no, I would not agree uh, that it's a primary contributor uh, to, the, to the global warming that we see. Or we don't know that yet. Oh, great. Great. Mm. That's great. Hey, by the way, you run the EPA. You could probably do some tests if you wanted to. You don't want what's that? You don't oh you don't want to? Oh okay. nah. nah. So, you're, you're there to ruin it? Oh I see. Scientists are pretty much in agreement on these things. Ninety-seven percent. That's not true. There's actually we talked about it on the podcast. There's scientific peer-reviewed research on the research. Seven of the top climate scientists got together and peer review, you know, did a research yeah. paper on that claim. And guess what? It's true. <laughs> true. There's actually a correlation between like people that are not in agreement have nothing to do with climate scientists. They're like biologists or whatever. Mm. The more you study climate, the more in agreement you are. That's how that works. Hmm. But okay. New York attorney general, Eric Schneiderman has found in the course of his Exxon investigation that former Exxon CEO and current U S secretary of state Rex Tillerson Uh had used an alias email address to discuss climate change between at least 2008 and 2015. His email address, wayne.tracker at exxonmobile.com, is his alias. His middle name is Wayne. It's Rex, by the way, stupidest name ever, Rex Wayne Tillerson. But he goes by Wayne Tracker when he's talking about uh, <laughs> climate. When he's talking about climate change. Yeah, because we wouldn't want to have any kind of trail to the actual person talking about climate change. Alan Jeffers is an Exxon spokesman, says the email address, wayne.tracker at exxonmobile.com, is part of the company's email system and was put in place for secure and expedited communications between select senior company officials and the former chairman for a broad range of business related topics yeah like what are we going to do when we have to raise the goddamn oil platforms 12 feet because we know for sure that we're going to get destroyed by you know climate related uh, weather and water right fuck off that's not good man man there's so much shit going on it's so aggravating he's been rather quiet though that rex i, I haven't seen a hood has anything not of him. given one Press conference. Not one? Yeah. Shit. Not one. Because that because Russia doesn't want the State Department to do anything. He's also eliminated 100 years of State Department experience. 100 years. God, yeah. Just like People that. that have been there 30 years, 40 years, through multiple administrations, not partisan. They just work there. That's another thing that I saw on the Rachel Maddow show, which is very damning. That is, they, he, she had the guy on that just got fired. I forget his name. He's been there for 40 years, 30 years. She had him on, and she goes, why... You know, essentially, she goes, why would this, how does this benefit Russia? You know what I mean? Like, what is, he goes, look, Russia's not, uh, knows they're not a threat to us militarily. We have the bigger military. We have more, 
weapon, everything. We just have the better military. They're not afraid. They know they can't compete with us there. They know they can't compete with us in terms of being a democracy. They can't compete with us in terms of uh, economically. Economic. They just can't compete with us. The way that they can, they what they want though is to diminish us. And one of the ways, the easiest way to diminish us is to gut the State Department because our diplomacy. And our ability to reason with other countries around the world, that's our great strength against them. They can't compete with that in any way. Hmm. And you know what? Getting rid of 100 years of experience at the State Department, that's a good way to diminish the State Department. Great. And then when you got Rex Tillerson there, he's not giving uh, press conferences. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Doesn't answer any questions. Gee, that's weird. That's suspicious. At the very least, it's suspicious. That's not a conspiracy theory. Those are things that happened. Those are byproducts of the things that happened. He's a known friend of Putin. Yeah. I mean, yes. He received the highest honor you can receive. He received the Medal of Friendship from Putin. He put it around his neck, shook his hand, and hugged him. That's a real goddamn thing. Why do I not have a Medal of Friendship from you? Because you haven't earned it yet. You're wearing that stupid crystal. I can't fit it. <laughs> Don't call it stupid, bro. Don't call it stupid. Um, yeah, man. So anyway. Oh, by the way, I'd like to mention the uh, the immigration ban. I didn't bring it up. That got stopped. <laughs> that got Thank you, Hawaii. Now. Yeah, thank you, Hawaii. Trump tweeted it's an unprecedented overreach. No, it's not. Just three weeks ago. They stopped your other one. So it's not unprecedented. It's not unprecedented at all. It's, it just happened. It's the same. That's all I got. Fantastic job, Christopher. Oh, thank you. You guys, too. This was a good episode. This was fun. Yes, it was. Matt's yawning. I think it's the end. Yeah. Not, I, snap. Wake up. You got a date. Yeah. I, I I would like to thank the person who uh, notified Chris that my Twitter had been hacked this week. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Matt's Twitter got hacked. You changed so, your password. I, I wasn't actually trying to sell you sunglasses. I... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, so anyway, but yes, thank you for the heads up there. Uh, we appreciate it. And, and good job. Now, Matt, you stay on top of your Twitter account. I'll, I'll try, yeah. Samsonites, we love you very much. Harrys.com slash... Jesus, excuse me. Polar Seltzer, my God. Slash ha- Jesus? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Harrys.com slash Polar Seltzer Jesus, my God. Uh, go to Harrys.com, our new sponsor, which we really appreciate. Harrys.com slash Samson. You can try the trial set for free. You just pay for shipping. It's a little bit. Uh, and I'm telling you, the razors are great. So you really enjoy it. And it's a great way to support the program. We appreciate it. Go to soundcloud.com slash mandatory Samson. You can listen to all episodes of this show. Uh, you can leave a comment on the episode where we talk about something. So say right now I go apples. You can comment right now and go, mm, apples are good. And that, and somebody's going to do that. Uh, <laughs> and then I can respond to it. So then we're all part of the conversation together and it's great. You can also rate, subscribe, uh, leave a comment on iTunes, which is nice. That helps as well. Uh, what else? At man stamp on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, the whole nine yards. Joey's at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is of course spelled the Z Matt D Weiss, who is now once again, fully in control of his Twitter account. Uh, you can tweet him and say, Hey, and tell him you appreciate his uh, comments on the show. And that's it. Other than that, we will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. We love you guys. And we'll talk to you then. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.